0: Changes are afoot. They are. Player valuations rising. Player valuations declining. On Dynasty Deluxe. Playerprofiler.com forward slash dynasty-league-rankings. dash You see our rankings. Superflex. Rookie only. Draft planner. Trade finder. Trade analyzer. ADP tracker. Startup mocks. Big board. Oh, baby. And this Dynasty guide, I know it's old. It talks about Le'Veon Bell. (laughs) David Johnson, when they were young, (laughs) that's how old, I feel old, look at this dynasty. I'm going to update the dynasty guy, I promise. And you look and you see, oh, there's Jonathan Taylor at the RB1, we've talked about that, but he's declining, there's a little red arrow next to Jonathan Taylor, he's moving down. Why is he moving down? Well, he's moving down because the Colts signed Marlon Mack, and that's not good. That's not good for Jonathan Taylor, it's going to cost him touches, not a lot, Not a lot, and and six points out of close to 300 is not very much. It's a nominal decrease. But because we show the arrow moving down, if you lose just five points of lifetime value, you get the red arrow. If you gain five or more points, you get the green arrow. But if you look down, you'll see, oh, Naheem Hines may not have lost six points, but as a percentage, he lost a hell of a lot more than Jonathan Taylor did because Marlon Mack's a real threat to Naheem Hines. Marlon Mack was criticized as having satellite-back tendencies coming out of South Florida. So I won't have any Naheem Hines in startups or trade, no way. But it's helpful to remember that Marlon Mack is good. Marlon Mack is a good player. We were surprised when the Colts drafted Jonathan Taylor. That was, remember? It seems like forever ago, but it was surprising. Because you're like, oh, they have Marlon Mack. What are they doing? Remember that? (laughs) It's Crazy. Marlon Max, an all-purpose back. And we have him ranked above consensus on the Dynasty Deluxe rankings for good reason. But then I hear, oh, no, you can't rank him at all. Just cross him off the list. Well, he tore his Achilles. <gasps> he tore his Achilles. Did he really? Did he? He tore his Achilles. Oh, no. Well, that's a death sentence. You tear your Achilles, that's the source of your explosiveness. It's over. Does any player have a track record of coming back successfully from a torn Achilles? No way! Not according to the narratives I hear on social media, especially around Marlon Mack. I mean, forget him. It's only every year we see players come back from Achilles tendon tears. In Baltimore, it was Steve Smith and Terrell Suggs the same year, and Terrell Suggs was a pro bowler the year he came back, right? Then you saw Richard Sherman come back and go to a pro bowl. And then you saw Jason Verrett come back. So it seems like the 49ers realize, okay, we can get elite cornerback play at value because we seem to be the only franchise out here that understands it. an Achilles tendon tear is now just another major lower body injury. It's a major injury. A broken foot's a major injury. A torn ACL's a major injury. But it's not a career ender. It's a total fallacy. Just ask Kobe Bryant. He came back. And now Kevin Durant. They're back. You want to know why they're back? Kobe Bryant went to Germany and he received... Platelet-rich plasma injections. I've received those injections in my knee. They spin your blood to make it rich with your own platelets. And then they create a cocktail of your blood with stem cells and human growth hormone. They whirl it together and they inject it back into your body at the source of the trauma. And it stimulates healing. So I could have gone in with this invasive procedure. And I know people that have had this done on their patellar and, you know, clean out the patellar, add some small tears in there, some leafs, and you can either go in and, and, and shave them off and clean them up and hope the body regrows them, or you can shoot your knee up with your own blood and stem cells and human growth hormone. And it's a groundbreaking therapy that is now approved in the United States. There are companies like Regenerex that are setting up shop around the country where If you separate your shoulder or you hurt your knee or your back, that should be the first place you go. And especially any kind of dense muscle tissue, tendons, patellar tendon, Achilles tendon. If you tear a tendon, they can't just go and find another tendon on your body and graft it on like they can an ACL. It's not that easy. They could just swap out ACLs now. They just take a, a piece of your hamstring and swap out. You can't do that when you have deep muscular tears. It's better if you let the body heal itself from the inside out. That's what you need to do with Achilles and patellars and labrums. And that's why pitchers are having more success than they've ever had healing torn shoulders. Basketball players having more success than they've ever had healing patellar tendons. Football players, Achilles. It's a different world now. These therapies are approved in the United States and they're allowed by the leagues. So that's the answer as to why these outdated narratives about Achilles tendon tears are just flat wrong. So the risk profile on a Marlon Mack is lower than most analysts believe. Now the risk profile of a Deshaun Watson now is higher because I keep hearing, oh, we need to wait for more reputable sources. We need more information. Well, at what point do we have enough information? It's being reported in ESPN and The Athletic. Are those not reputable enough? Well, we need more women. How many more? I don't know if there's a fire there, but there is a lot of smoke. A lot. Smoke is billowing. It's pouring out of the windows. And Deshaun Watson has cratered on our dynasty rankings. And we're just getting out ahead of this because he could go to zero. I didn't think Ray Rice's career was over after that elevator incident, but it was. On the other end, I thought Tyreek Hill would be suspended for an extended period of time. That didn't happen. I thought LaShawn McCoy would be suspended for an extended period of time. That didn't happen. We don't know. It's impossible to say how the NFL is going to react. It's impossible to know how vigorously Houston police will pursue this. We, d- we don't know. We know that Bob Kraft was involved with a massage parlor and it was a source of great shame, but he could argue that he didn't knowingly do anything illegal. With Deshaun Watson, it's a lot harder case to make. He isn't just a name on a list of Johns involved in a vice squad sting. That's not what happened. This is one woman after another, after another, after another coming forward. Now, they all have the same lawyer, so there was some recruiting effort involved. So some of the risk is offset by the class action nature of this, because we've seen these fall apart, most notably Michael Avenatti. We don't have all the information, but we certainly have enough to avoid Deshaun Watson in fantasy football, period. Especially a 2QB, super flex league. You think I'm drafting Deshaun Watson? Fuck out of here. No way. We do not believe he's a first-round pick in Superflex. No, 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 no. I'd rather have Justin Herbert at this point. I'd rather have Jalen Hurts. What are you losing by avoiding Deshaun Watson? So you get Justin Herbert. So you get A.J. Brown, so you get Justin Jefferson, so you get J.K. Dobbins. What's the the downside here? You get a stud player in a startup instead of Deshaun Watson, or someone tries to trade you Deshaun Watson for a a player of that caliber, and, and you just say no? It's, it's the easiest avoid since Kareem Hunt. At one point in time, Kareem Hunt was the most obvious avoid. Now, he was cut by his team, so that made it easier, but in this case, we know that Houston has been aggressively shopping Deshaun Watson, and now we know why. They've had the NFL security reports because these cases take time to make their way through the system. So, so this is flagged by NFL security. They know this is happening because who's in NFL security? They're ex-law enforcement. So they use all their connections to stay abreast of any potential wrongdoing of players. So even when a case is in its initial stages, in its infancy, an FBI agent, a detective is going to tell a friend of a friend who knows someone at NFL security. And then then the Texans are going to know. And when they engage in trade talks, the other party has to be informed. And that's likely why Deshaun Watson was not traded, because NFL teams are seeing the smoke and they're worried about the fire, as you should be. If this was all some big misunderstanding and it finishes with a happy ending, then then you have Jalen Hurts instead of Deshaun Watson. Big deal. And like Bob Kraft, Deshaun Watson had a very carefully crafted public image. He's working hard in the offseason. He's involved with charities while also taking advantage of women in vulnerable positions. And I don't think that that is up for dispute at this point. Doesn't matter how smarmy the lawyer is, 10 women is 10 women, all with similar claims. So in Dynasty, we have these guys for their careers, and you just don't need those problems. And Neil Dutton knows this. Neil Dutton, he's one of the hardest working analysts in the underworld. Just an absolute cut-up, this Neil Dutton. I lost track of how many zingers I was cackling at during this. It was amazing. I love talking to this guy. Be sure to follow him at NDutton13 on Twitter. Welcome to the Roto Wonderworld radio program. One of the workhorses at Player Profiler. That's right. That's right. We're in a mock draft right now against roster watch i'm in there with neil dutton he's joining me today he's a writer for player profile one of our top analysts he's also got a podcast waxing lyrical
1: neil dutton why don't you talk to me matt it's a pleasure to be back i say it's a, I think it's two years or so since i've been back as you say Player profiler, you know, we all we all have our roles, you know. I say you're up in heaven looking down on all of us. We have Mike Randall does other videos for the draft kit, you know, uh, Cody does the social media. But when you need someone to knock out a three-paragraph burb on Matt Lacoste, I'm the captain now.
0: That's right. <laughs> That's right. Some of those some of those fringe players in the draft kit, they they have to be talked about. They have to be written up. It's someone has to do it, man. Matt Lacoste, I can't believe we wrote him up. I'm gonna take a stand, man. The player 250 through 300, we're not even gonna write anything. We're just gonna rank them. That's it. We're not gonna. We're gonna write a damn thing. I don't want to waste Neil Dutton's
1: time on that shit. <laughs> oh, not just. If, I, I did a video for him as well. You did a video. I don't think it made it the final cup or, you
0: know, oh. it wasn't
1: for the want of trying.
0: Oh no! Because uh, the problem is these guys they get bumped out of the top 300, and then the, that content just. Whoosh. So Jonathan Taylor is not going to get bumped out, no. right? He's not going to get bumped out. But Nick Arcolano goes to Twitter, and he writes, "I see Jonathan Taylor is falling in the rankings, and he's still RB one. Where was he before that? That's pretty funny. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Marlon Mack did resign. So if Marlon Mack resigns, some touches will get siphoned off from Jonathan Taylor to Marlon Mack. Not a lot, but it does have an impact, right? It has an impact on Jonathan Taylor, but also Naheem Hines. Do you think it could have more of an impact on
1: Hines than it does Taylor? I think so. I mean, we, you know, the people who have been fans of Marlon Mack for an appreciable period of time, the one thing that we've always bemoaned is the fact that they don't use him in the passing game. I mean, his targets went down, was it 33, 26, 17? And then obviously last year he played for, what, three minutes and then got hurt. So they've never used him as a passing down back. And the thought was that, you know, when they drafted Jonathan Taylor, we thought that's it, it's his, you know, his backfield now. But then he went, no, no, he's here to spell Marlon Mack. But I say Marlon Mack gets hurt. It took Jonathan Taylor some time, but eventually he found his sea legs. So you have to wonder that if we assume rational coaching, which is always a massive assumption, But I think it's something that people do tend to attribute to Frank Reich. If we assume that Jonathan Taylor is going to be the workhorse and they're going to sprinkle in Naeem Hines, that maybe Mack will be sprinkled in not as much as Hines. And as you say, he's probably going to impact more on Hines, assuming they don't just use him as a spellback for Jonathan Taylor and you know that eventually they might just turn around and say, oh, actually, he can catch the ball. Tell you what, we'll give him some targets as well. That's right. That that was the great criticism of Marlon Mack,
0: was that he bounced too many runs outside. That he was better deployed as a slasher and as a satellite back and not as a primary back. And that's fine. That's how he's going to be deployed now. But that's necessarily going to cannibalize touches from Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines is off-limits to me now because I don't see a significant difference throwing the ball to Marlon Mack in the passing game versus Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines has more straight line speed. Marlon Mack has more power. But on any given screen pass or dump off to a running back, it's not a measurable difference between a Marlon Mack and a Naheem Hines. The great thing about Jonathan Taylor is he's going to give you more no matter where he's getting the ball. He can not only make people miss, he can run over defensive backs in a way that neither Marlon Mack nor... Naheem Hines can. So I don't think Jonathan Taylor is going to be as impacted as Naheem Hines by Marlon Mack re-signing, which is why he didn't drop many lifetime value points. See, The thing is, on the Dynasty rankings, if you drop five or more points, then we'll show the little red arrow. If you increase five or more points, we'll show the little green arrow. But percentage-wise... Naheem Hines may have lost more than Jonathan Taylor, even though Jonathan Taylor drops more raw points as a percentage of his total lifetime value rating, significantly smaller than Naheem Hines. So if Naheem Hines loses two points, let's say, that's much bigger as a percentage than Jonathan Taylor losing four points. That's how that works.
1: Yeah. I remember there was an old Dilbert cartoon once where they said um, everyone has to have a 5% pay cut and the boss said so don't feel bad about it because we're all losing 5% and I think it was ASOC, the intern said yes but 5% of our salary compared to 5% of yours it's it's not that great is it and the boss went you just don't understand math <laughs> oh, dude dilbert I love dilbert the only problem was, Dilbert, I got a talking book by Scott Adams, and it was read by Scott Adams. And then I realized, oh, my God, you've got the same voice as an answering machine. And uh, th- th- it's, it's. I mean, I have a melodiously dull, monotone voice, and then I heard Scott Adams talk. And I was like, no, I, I, I can't do this. I,
0: the thing is, anyone in the United States that hears anyone from the British Isles speak, we think it sounds great. Like, you might think it's a dull version of a British voice but we just hear the accent and we love it. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You sound great.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I remember being in New York and telling it was the day after it was the day of the Jaguars winning a playoff game at Hines field against the Steelers. And um, I, I was in a bar. There was a gentleman there wearing a Steelers hat. So I went over and commiserated with him about it and sure. proceeded to talk him through what yeah. had gone wrong. Yeah. He, hugged me, called all his friends over and said, this British guy is talking about our game in a British accent and I said, no, 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 you have the accent, I don't Uh, but uh, they, I didn't buy I didn't pay for a beverage for the rest of the night, so clearly, best night of my life, because I didn't have to spend any money. English is the language, it's our language Mm -hmm. you have an American accent we're just
0: talking Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I get it that's right, and With Marlon Mack, I actually think that Marlon Mack is a sneaky stash just in case something happens to Jonathan Taylor, heaven forbid. It's going to be the Marlon Mack show, and I hear, oh, well, the Achilles. What do you mean the Achilles? What are you you talking about? Do you realize how many top athletes have come back from Achilles tendon tears? And it's not what it was 20 years ago. The narratives from 20 years ago just infiltrating sports conversations, to me, is maddening. It's like, no, the... Achilles tendon career-ending injury doesn't exist, right? Enough with this. It's been proven time and time again, whether you go to basketball with Kobe Bryant, Kevin Durant, you have Terrell Suggs and Steve Smith on the same Ravens team, both coming back from Achilles tendon ruptures. Before I brought you on, I talked about this. It's a total fallacy that this is some career ender. With all the therapies we now have to treat this, it's not the death sentence that it used to be.
1: I think the problem is that the average fantasy football fan, analyst, whatnot. We just we try and put this in terms of our own life. That if we ruptured our Achilles, yeah, we probably are done. We probably won't play sport again. But we don't have multi-million-dollar facilities to go and work out at with personal trainers at our beck and call. I mean, i say I I pull a muscle in my back every time I sneeze. So if I was to rupture my Achilles, yeah, pretty good chance I'm on my ass for the duration. (laughs) Right. But it's just how many different athletes have to come back
0: successfully from this rupture to stop talking about it like it's the 80s? It's not the 80s anymore, man. Get over it. People are coming back all the time from Achilles tendon ruptures. And if they're not, like Dante Foreman, right? Dante Foreman actually did come back. He just was never good. So you can't blame it on the Achilles. You can blame it on Dante Foreman not being elusive. That's probably what it was. It's not the Achilles. Even Dante Foreman came back and captured an NFL roster spot post-Achilles tendon surgery and rehabilitation. That, to me, is a positive thing. I mean, If even Dante Foreman can come back into the league and be relevant for a short period of time. That's a win for Achilles tendon treatment.
1: You have to be good to begin with. It's like that, you know, doctor, will I be able to play the piano after the surgery? Well, yes. Oh, well, I couldn't before. That's clearly it then. You know, it's, will I be a good (laughs) NFL running back after my Achilles injury? Well, yeah. Oh, good, because I wasn't before. Thank you, doctor. You're a miracle worker. And I think
0: that Marlon Mack is a good football player. So I think that he is going to have a chance to reestablish himself at some point. And it might not be this year. It may be that Jonathan Taylor is healthy for full 16 games or 17 games now. Great, right? That's the best possible news because we have messy RB1 in Dynasty, at the very least. Jonathan Taylor, RB1, Carson Wentz. And part, and part of this is Carson Wentz, that Carson Wentz is an upgrade. We didn't know who the quarterback was going to be. Phillip Rivers retires. Well, then Carson Wentz becomes the quarterback. Oh, boost Jonathan Taylor and every member of this passing game. Do you think that Carson Wentz is a value in Dynasty right now?
1: I think so. I mean, if you have a look where he is, he's going back in like Dynasty startups. He's going behind like Jimmy Garoppolo and Cam Newton. Now, Cam Newton, as we saw last year, can be fantasy relevant. Jimmy Garoppolo is... Bloody handsome, but again, he's that. Will I be a good quarterback after the injury, Doctor? It's, I don't know how to tell you this, Mister Um Obviously, you know, as an Eagles sufferer myself, you know, I watched last year that Carson Wentz was not particularly well protected. You know, the offensive line was an ever-changing, you know, cast of characters. Right. He didn't. He wasn't exactly blessed with excellent wide receivers because if you put. You put you get fifteen thousand NFL wide receivers in a warehouse and put one dud in there. Howie Roseman will find that dud sight unseen without being prompted. He just has a sixth sense for it, and
0: he'll he'll make sure he drafts that that dud in the second round.
1: Oh, absolutely! As I say, and and you know, be proud of it. You know, and t- treat it as a badge of honor on his drafting ability or lack thereof. The problem was with Carson Wentz is that an awful lot of his struggles last year were by his own hand. You know, he was throwing lots of interceptable passes. He was engaging in lots of danger plays. He was hanging onto the ball for dear life at times, desperate for something to happen, and then, you know, having it punched out. So the situation in Indianapolis is probably going to be better for him. It's just a question of, you know, do, you, do are we going to go crackers and say, you know, I must have him this year, you know, now, now because, you know, he's da- he's damaged goods. It's probably better than it was, but that doesn't make it good.
0: That's right. That's right. What about Galladay in New York? Kenny Galladay going to New York, I think, is a big win for everybody.
1: Well, it's not for me. Um, You know, speaking as a long-term lover of Kenny Galladay and someone who is particularly distasteful towards the New York Giants, it's it it could be something that you know. I know a lot of people are going to put in the Josh Allen third-year breakout and say, "Oh, all they did was go out and get him a good wide receiver." Yeah, that's all they did. Yeah. Um, So obviously, you know, they had had Stephon (laughs) Diggs. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I you have to give Josh Allen some credit, man. Yeah, it was again. It's you know you were bad. This is Stefan Diggs, so by osmosis you are now a good quarterback. Don't work on it. Don't read your playbook. Don't. It, Stefan will take it. So we we have seen that. I mean, some of the surprising stats that I've seen in the last few days was how good a deep ball passer. Daniel Jones actually was last year. And if we know that Kenny Golladay is good at one thing, it's winning downfield, even in, and especially in contested situations. So if we can get Daniel Jones to adopt more of a, you know, I'm going deep, you know, it's, um, what was I reading today? Is someone's trying to you know, put it against what the Giants did with Eli getting in Plaxico Burris back in the day. Oh
0: yeah. I like the parallels of, Josh Allen getting Stefan Diggs, Eli Manning getting Plaxico Burris. Yes, yes. Let's 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 layer these parallels.
1: That's it. It's because it, eventually, you know, if you fire enough of these out, eventually you'll find one that fits, and you know you'll be made to look a genius because no one will remember that you said. Oh, it's it's just like um, it's just like Josh Ro- Rosen and Trent Sheerfield. You know, if you, you put these two together and you can't fail. Um, I mean, if. Daniel Jones, you know, is going to take a step forward, then obviously he needs these weapons around him and they have gone out of their way to improve the cast of characters. He still has a non-existent offensive line and Jason Garrett calling his plays, mm. which again is can be a hindrance. So I don't love it because I think I would have loved to have seen Goloday go somewhere a bit more pass-happy where he would be the established, you know, alpha dog, as it were. But That place doesn't exist. I, I know, looked. but...
0: I looked. You want them to go to Atlanta? They already have Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. You go across the league, it's hard to find a place as wide receiver friendly in such a a need of an alpha like the New York Giants because they're going to have to throw the ball, man. I know their defense is getting better, but they're still going to have to throw the ball. If they're going to face the Eagles twice a year, they're going to face the Cowboys twice a year, they're going to have to dial up the passes. I, I think this is exciting. I'm excited for Daniel Jones, man. I'm excited. I think Daniel Jones is an incredible value. Dynasty, best ball, every format. I love that discount Konami code. And whenever a quarterback struggles with a complete lack of weaponry, whether it be Carson Wentz last year, whether it be Daniel Jones, I give them the benefit of the doubt. I want to see if Daniel Jones can reignite, some of that magic from his rookie year. I think he can. I really. Th- I think I, I, I didn't like Daniel Jones coming out of Duke. I thought that was a reach. I thought it was a terrible pick by Dave Gettleman. But now I'm like, well, let's support him with Kenny Galladay. And he actually exceeded expectations as a rookie. They did him no favors in his second year. Let's get on board, man. I think it's dime time. It's Dime Time with Danny Dimes.
1: In the 2019 draft kit, I did I did call the Giants' selection of Daniel Jones the worst appointment since uh, Caligula made his horse a pro consul, uh, which you know <laughs> was probably a little bit harsh. <laughs> but <clears throat> <laughs>
0: Joe Mixon also getting help, right? That's what you want. Mm. I know that the guy's 32. Riley Reese, 32. He was bad last year. I get it. But it's something it's a starter anytime you can get a starter on the offensive line i'm in favor always hmm. and without
1: question i mean it's it's one great thing that you can do as I say is throw numbers out of your backside and don't apply any context to them and say there are i am I'm knowledgeable, therefore you must respect me. but it is noticeable that running behind Riley Reef last year. Um, the Vikings who obviously have a good running back again this is not just just put anyone behind there and we can you know we're, we're all we're all Barry Sanders they did average uh, was it 5.7 yards per attempt running behind Riley Reef oh. Whereas running behind the left tackle in Cincinnati it was down around four and a half so I'm not saying, you know, obviously, it was just, just run left, just do what Sean Alexander was doing all those years ago for Seattle behind Walter Jones. But as you say, it's an upgrade and it's something you talk about a lot. It's if you upgrade one spot, you can move everyone along a longer spot to where they can find their own floor. So it it is a massive upgrade for Mixon, assuming again that he comes back from the career threatening injury that would rule out every other armchair analyst in the world right
0: yeah all the foot injuries are bad too oh yeah yeah i don't know i don't know how he's going to come back from that foot injury or maybe the body's just going to heal and he'll be fine oh that's dangerous that's also a possibility now steelers beat writers insist that they're not going to go into the season with benny snell as their starter benny snell's currently top of the depth chart anthony mcfarland is there you excited about either of these two guys I uh, couldn't be less excited um not
1: even Anthony McFarland. He's pretty fast. He's a he's a slasher. I mean, unless the Steelers pull off, you know, the most uninspiring getting the band back together since Jerry Halliwell came back to the Spice Girls and re-signed, you know, James Conner again. This is They could do it. They could
0: definitely do that. They could do it. so he he goes around across the league soliciting offers, and it could be that what comes back to him is a whole bunch of nothing. Leonard Fournette's still out there, right? Chris Carson stepped out didn't like what he was hearing and <laughs> stepped right back to Seattle. That could happen with Fournette. He could end up staying in Tampa, which would be bad for Keyshawn Vaughn, right?
1: Connor could be back. Oh, oh, God. Just, I mean, their, their line stats, you know, run blocking. I mean, you know, for fans of a certain vintage, we associate with the Steelers, you know, power running and a Blanket defense. Well, last year the defense started great, but started to crumble. But running wise, oh my god, they're awful. You know, second fewest rushing yards before contact, fourth fewest yards after contact, highest neutral pa- neutral pace game script. You have to wonder whether their offensive coordinator, or Ben Roethlisberger, as he's also known as, whether he even wants to run the ball. So it doesn't really matter, you know, if they have James Conner, Anthony McFarland, Benny Snell. It doesn't matter who they have because he's just going to throw it. He's going to, you know, unleash these lame ducks five yards downfield anyway.
0: It, the Ben Roethlisberger is a problem. So if the quarterback and the offensive line and the defense all crumble simultaneously, that's terrible for the running back. It's absolutely dreadful. Their line is crumbling as it gets older. Ben Roethlisberger's arm is less and less effective. Even if, let's say, the defense continues to be one of the top defenses in the league, it's going to be impossible for the running back, whoever that is in Pittsburgh, to return value in fantasy football. It's why I'm not that excited. I know so many are excited about either Javante Williams or Najee Harris going to Pittsburgh because it's an attitude fit, right? These are big, grinding backs that are a cultural fit in the Steel City. These are workhorse running backs. They bring their lunch pail to work, right? These are lunch pail backs. Javante Williams, lunch pail back. Najee Harris, lunch pail back. Pittsburgh Steelers, a lunch pail franchise. It sounds good. But when you actually think about it, it's not great. It's not great for either of these guys to go to Pittsburgh where the offense will stagnate and there will be no running lanes. Why would you want that? That's not necessarily as good as the narrative makes it sound.
1: No, unless you're playing in, you know, points per lunch pail, you know, formats, (laughs) in which case they're they're both, you know, first round picks. But it it does just say it's, again, we think, you know, go back to the eighties Achilles injuries are career enders and Pittsburgh is a hard nosed running team.
0: (laughs) These things can change. Now, when you look at the, NFL mocks. We see Javante Williams projected now to go in the early second round, which is exciting. When you look at the possible landing spots for Javante Williams, assuming he doesn't go to Pittsburgh in the late first round, where do you like him going?
1: See, so I have thought about this, and you know, it's I, I don't really like anyone going here because their uniforms are trash, and the the lighting in the stadium is visually unappealing. But Atlanta seemed to jump out to me. Yeah, you know, they, they, oh, yeah. they. Yeah, yeah, I was eyeing that too! They, they tried the experience of running with, you know, a man with worse knees than me at running back last year. It didn't really take. Mm-mm. And, you know, you know, they've, again, another team, you know, that's, you know, we're going to assume that Arthur Smith, and I'm sorry, but in my head, being English, Arthur Smith is a 50-year-old man who's a mate of your dad's who drinks brown ale and owns a Whippet. It's not the name of an NFL <laughs> head coach. <laughs> Uh, But, you know, I am going to assume they're going to want to try and run the ball. And because there's no competition there, even, you know, if he goes there, he's going to play on all three downs because he is a good receiving back as well. So he's going to get the opportunities that even though the team may stink, at least he's going to get opportunities. I mean, we saw last year with James Robinson. We don't care if you stink. Just stay on the field.
0: Early second round, Javante Williams can go to the Jets, pick 34. The Falcons pick 35. The Dolphins pick 36. The 49ers pick 43, or I mean, this is this this sounds crazy, but why not? Or he could fall all the way to Arizona at pick 49. Arizona, baby. I mean, right? Although I feel like Arizona is more likely to go for a player like Chuba Hubbard. I can see that, I could see Cliff Kingsbury. Watching Chuba Hubbard run a 4-3-3 at his pro day and thinking that that's what we need. That's what we need. And that we're going to spread him out and run Hubbard. I can see them wanting that. And if Hubbard runs a 4-3-3 and goes to the Cardinals at pick 49, he's going to launch himself into what will be a new big four.
1: I mean, if Chase Edmonds has to die just so we can get Chuba Hubbard having you know underneath screens thrown at him four or five times a game by Kyla Murray, then I'm I'm prepared to take I'm prepared to sacrifice Chase for that goal. I do like Chase Edmonds
0: though. He's one of the bigger risers of all the players. When you look at our rankings, playerprofiler.com, Click on the new Dynasty Deluxe package on the Dynasty rankings. You can include rookies. You could not include rookies. A lot of flexibility there. The biggest riser of all, and that's not just percentage, just raw lifetime value points, it's Chase Edmonds. How could it not be? right? Because he's in his prime, he's in a super prime, right at the age apex. And so these next couple of years are enormous for him. And if Kenyon Drake is going to go elsewhere and he is the clear-cut number 1 back at the top of that depth chart, there's no guarantees that Arizona drafts a running back on Day 1 or 2. I think that they are a top candidate to draft a Javante Williams or a Chuba Hubbard or a Kenny Gainwell or a Jamar Jefferson, I think that those guys might all go in the late second round, starting with the 49ers. They're interested in Jamar Jefferson, but they might think they can get him in the third round. So mid-second to mid-third, you're going to see Jefferson go, Hubbard go, Gainwell go, and a couple other running backs that surprise us. We didn't think that Antonio Gibson was going to go early third round last year, but he did. I think there's going to be some fun landing spots there. I hope that Edmonds can survive. I really can hope that he can survive and there's no rookies that land there on day one or two. He has a similar skill set to Austin Eckler, but he's bigger. So isn't that a good thing? And, And he has monster numbers when called upon. He was the number one running back in one of the few weeks that he was actually the starter. In his career in Arizona, it was at New Orleans in 2019. He was the number 1 running back in fantasy that week. So he has monster numbers in his range of outcomes because he can succeed in all phases. He was consistently more efficient week in, week out than Kenyon Drake last year. So why not Chase Edmonds? I mean, just this idea that because he went to Fordham, he can't do it is crazy. Austin Eckler went to Western State. That sounds like a fake school, and he did it. Why not? Chase Edmonds.
1: Due to a complete lack of other options at running back and the fact that I forgot to change him out of it, um, I actually ended up starting Chase Edmonds that week in the Scott Fishbowl. Oh, And, you know, at the, at the time, you know, I was looking, oh, you, you know, it's the, uh, too many, it was the, oh, well, that's it, I do too many leagues, I'm, I'm cutting out, I'm going to do none next year. And then, you know, after 20 minutes, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, patting myself on the back and saying, oh, I just, just had a feeling. Um,
0: Worked out for you.
1: Occasionally I get lucky.
0: Juju Smith-Schuster also stepped out and then he stepped right back in.
1: (laughs) Right. It's kind of like you're in
0: the sauna or you're in the hot tub and you get out and you think, oh, I got to get right back in. Oh, it's too cold out here. Oh, I got to jump back in where it's nice and warm. So that's Juju. He's like, oh, I got It's nice and warm and cuddly. People love me in Pittsburgh. I'm going to stay here where it's nice and cuddly and warm. But him going back to Pittsburgh drags everybody down. He loses value. Deontay Johnson loses value. Chase Claypool loses value. Who was most disappointed with him going back to Pittsburgh?
1: Um, Other than me, uh, I think probably Chase Claypool. Um, because as you say, we're going to be denied this. You know, if he goes elsewhere, we're going to see Deontay Johnson get even more targets. Aww. We're going to see Claypool establish himself. I mean, I, I don't know though, Matt, because apparently he's a diva and wide receiver divas. No, we can't be having that. You know, that's you know, what, think of the children. Um, but now it's like, hey, you know, it's I, Juju's back, everyone. Uh, the, the only way he could have dragged them down further would be if next year they're dancing on the logos with him. That's the only way you could have dragged them down any further. If you're Juju, knowing that
0: you're still young, why wouldn't you sign a prove-it deal with Houston, knowing you're just going to get absolutely bombarded with targets? Wouldn't you go there? You're a perfect skill match opposite Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cook stretches the field. Juju Smith-Schuster can work underneath. It's so perfect. I don't know why they don't do that. I don't know why the player doesn't say to the agent, send me to Team X. That's the perfect landing spot for me to rejuvenate my career and reestablish myself as an elite player.
1: I think the problem is that, you know, Juju, while he has been disappointing the last two years, he has, you know, he does have a proven track record of excellent production. And the Texans at the moment seem to be signing people just so they can exhaust their arena league eligibility. (laughs) And, you know, that probably Juju's a little bit too good for that. So that, but it's, I mean, apparently he was, there was interest in the Chiefs. Well, why would you want to go and play with the Chiefs? I mean, it's clearly I want to play with this man whose arm is dropping off and my offensive line is crumbling around me. No, not Patrick Hope. No, no, Ben will do.
0: There are multiple players that are signing elsewhere who received offers from the Chiefs, fair competitive offers, not just Juju Smith Schuster. Josh Reynolds recently signed with the Tennessee Titans. And, he had an offer from the Chiefs. They have a wide open number two wide receiver chair. He could have stepped right in to a Super Bowl contender. Why? What?
1: Wh- how? And what? I think it can only be, it might be, uh, to, going back to what you said, You know, maybe he is actually thinking, do I want to be the number three on the Chiefs or do I want to go somewhere where maybe I can be the number two? Because you're not going to be number one because A.J. Brown is their son. And it, it's one of those, if you even dream about being the number one in Tennessee, you better wake up and apologize to A.J. Brown. Uh, so maybe he just thinks, if I can be the number two there, I've got a better chance of getting the Corey Davis deal Next year. Or he just he's just an idiot. Maybe. It's a team, it's a run first team, right? The hierarchy
0: there is Derrick Henry, then AJ Brown. What are you doing, man? You don't want to play with Patrick Mahomes? You want to play with Ryan? It doesn't make sense. I don't understand. Something's going on. There's something about the culture in Kansas City that is circulating around the league privately between the players where for some reason they don't want to play. I don't don't get it. I don't know why, but there's something happening under the surface pushing players away from Kansas City. I don't understand what it was. And by the way, I am in a best ball draft. We're at the end of the best ball draft, and someone is in the chat victory lapping that they just happen to be on the clock when the Josh Reynolds news broke. So I just have to laugh. I just have to laugh at that guy Who is victory lapping, getting Josh Reynolds in round 27 of a best ball draft? Like, that's not gonna help you win, okay? I think I got Kendrick Bourne in that draft. What the fuck is the difference between Kendrick Bourne, the number two in New England, and Josh Reynolds, the number two in Tennessee? Who cares? Kendrick Bourne signed for a lot more money than Josh Reynolds. Doesn't matter. I don't care. They're the same age. They had similar production last year. They're going to make similar money. They're in similar situations. That's all these guys. It's Keelan Cole. It's Josh Reynolds. It's all the players getting drafted in these rounds are indistinguishable. The idea that you would run to the chat because the guy signs with Tennessee and has no shot at being the number one there on a run first offense. Who the hell does that? Who does? It's a best ball draft. I don't know anybody in this league. This is a random best ball, and someone's in the chat talking shit as if anyone cares.
1: It's so unspeakably lame. I mean, I assume he's gone to the chat because his wife was bored of hearing about it, because obviously it's news he must have shared with all his friends and family first before coming to the chat. I I will say... At the
0: end of a best ball draft, I am much more likely to draft a Josh Reynolds, to draft a Kendrick Bourne, a Keelan Cole, than I am one of these rookies. So that's the other choice. You could go with a guy that signed a contract that guarantees he's going to be on the field in three receiver sets. So that's Reynolds, that's Bourne, that's Cole, right? That guy is a better investment at the end of a best ball draft than to select a Tamarian Terry or... But Tyler and Wallace. You have no idea where these guys are going to get drafted. You have no idea where they're going to end up landing. There's no guarantee that these guys are going to get targeted at all. If you slip into the fourth or fifth round, you're hoping it's Gabriel Davis. But it could be Tyler Johnson. It lands on a team and he's at best the fifth receiver and he may or may not get a target. He Does most of his production in the playoffs? Like that's not helpful, right? If I think back to the wide receivers I liked at this time last year, Tyler Johnson was way up there. But if I had picked him at the end of a best ball draft, it would have been a wasted pick.
1: Yeah. It's as you say, you you want to get someone who, uh, Josh Norris, who we, you know, we both, we both know, we both spoke to respect his work. He always says that NFL teams are honest twice a year, free agency and the draft. So if they pay someone, as you say, like, know josh reynolds that's usually a good indicator that they're going to want to use him. someone who could fall i say to the fifth to the sixth now i'm not saying fourth and fifth round wide receivers don't catch on they do occasionally but the odds are so stacked against them that if he said uh, got tomorrow you know tamari and terry in the 27th round of a baseball draft believe me he wouldn't be running to the chat to announce that
0: that's right that's right The rookies you want to target are the ones that you think can get first-round draft capital. So we did select Kadarius Toney. Not because I think Kadarius Toney is a great prospect. Not because we have him rated highly in Dynasty. Because there's a real possibility that this guy goes in the first round. That's the guy you want to... If you're going to go for a rookie in a best ball draft before the actual NFL draft, just target the players that are being discussed as possible first-rounders. That's exciting, right? You want a Jalen Waddle. You want a Kadarius Tony. You want these guys that are going to be first-rounders and we know are going to see the field and they're going to contribute to your best ball roster. You don't want to take a chance that a guy slips into the third, fourth, fifth round and we don't hear from him in his rookie season. It's not worth it. Every roster spot in best ball is precious. Go get the guy that just signed for five-plus million dollars knowing that he's going to play this year. Phillip Lindsey. He did the right thing. He told his agent, get me to Houston. They have two aging Johnsons. Right? Two old Johnsons. That's all I have to compete with in Houston to get touches? I want to compete with two Johnsons. Two old Johnsons. Two old, wrinkly Johnsons.
1: That's what I want to compete with. That's what he told his agent. That was a smart move, right? Yeah, I mean... Philip Lindsay's always been one of those players that again we look at him and think, yeah, only small, little guy, probably a satellite back, but they don't throw him the ball, never throw him the ball in Denver. I mean, it says something that, you know, they would rather have Pat Sherman as offensive coordinator than Philip Lindsay at running back. That's that's on you, Denver. I can't help you. But as you say, he's going somewhere where the competition is flimsy, it's not of an elite level, and he has been productive. He was I think he was hurt last year. You know, he is going to get hurt, he's only little. But he's gone somewhere where you would think, again, we'd go to that watchword, rational coaching. They're going to say, okay, what have we got here? Let's use him because other than him, it's the finest collection of Costco night shift managers the NFL could possibly hope to acquire. So maybe we'll give it to the guy who had 2,000-yard rushing seasons you know, as an undrafted free agent.
0: Now, I do think it means the end for Duke Johnson, sadly. There's so much hope in Duke Johnson. He was the most efficient running back in the NFL for consecutive seasons in Cleveland, and he had his opportunity last year. Did not fire. Now he's well past the age apex. They're adding Philip Lindsay. It's over, right? It's over.
1: Yeah, it's I, over. I will. I I you know I will never ever stop loving Duke Johnson. But I appear. <laughs> Me neither. I appear to you know. I, I we appear to be you know. It, this is you know. I, I hate to put something in so heady a pedestal, but I just feel that Duke Johnson is my Jeff Janice. You know, that I will always love him more than NFL coaches will. Right. And unfortunately, until we go to this whole fan controlled football league, no one's going to give him the 25 touches a week that I know he deserves. So if you can't, if you couldn't get your way past Der- uh, David Johnson, he said Derek Johnson, that's another one, another aging. Another Derek Johnson. Johnson to worry about. Uh, if you can't work your way past David Johnson with his excessive contract and declining ability, it's probably not going to happen.
0: It's not going to happen. Now, Will Fuller stepped out, and he found a suitor. He found a place that Will wanted to pay him. Big money. And he can be paired with a great deep ball passer. Wide open, wide receiver one slash wide receiver two chair in Miami. You love Will Fuller going to the
1: Dolphins? Absolutely. I mean, one thing that we did love about Will Fuller that we saw, obviously, with Deshaun Watson during their time together is that Watson will target him deep and target him often. Um, Deshaun Watson last year averaged 3.8 deep ball attempts per game. Tua averaged 3.3. 3. So it's not that different. And Tua was basically Whoa. throwing up prayer yards because there was no one to go and get them. Well, now we've seen. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. He was throwing up prayer yards. Did I hear that right? That's, prayer yards. That's a, I it. I will it. have to. Ha- I, I have stole that from uh, John Daigle from um, NBC Sports Edge, formerly Rote World. Shout out to John Daigle for the prayer yards. Um, so, and one thing that we like about Tua is that he's accurate. You know, his accuracy rating, target quality last year was very good. And he's throwing. he was throwing it to no one. Underrated. He was Underrated. throwing it to you know, Gusecki, Parker. Now he's got someone who can win deep. This isn't like a decoy. This is someone who can oh. win deep. Oh. It's great for both of them.
0: Will Fuller is the opposite of a decoy. He's... The real McCoy, right? Now, Miles Gaskin, also in Miami, he's an under-the-radar winner, right? Because they didn't sign anyone. They were, they, Miami was a big destination for possible free agents, and yet still nobody.
1: Mm. He has to be looked at as a winner in the similar way that Chase Edmonds is. Because as you say, it's not just that they've lost a lot of touches. You know, that a, a leader in that running rack room has gone. There was no leader there to begin with. It was by definition Miles Gaskin's room, and now as we sit and look at it, it's okay. It's it's going to be your gig. I mean, we like the fact that Miami seem to know what they're doing. You know, the uh, in acquiring assets and manoeuvring and moving around personnel. So the number of mock drafts that I see from people who know what they're talking about, I assume, and have them taking a running back in the first round, please no, miss me with this narrative. You know, no, you know, no. Well, no they, they, no,
0: they won't. They won't do that.
1: That's it. I really hope they don't. I mean, it's not that Miles Gaston's no, going to be, you know. I don't even
0: think they're going to take one in the second round. I know that they're a possibility to draft a Javante Williams or maybe a Travis Etienne slips and analysts are speculating, oh, the Dolphins need a running back. Etienne's of value here. He slipped to them. They've got to push the button. How can they pass on him? They should pass on him if they're focusing on the right details. And I think they will. I don't think they're going running back until the third round. I think Kenny Gainwell. Mm-hmm. Kenny Gainwell in the third round to Miami. That's my call.
1: I mean, if the if Miami do need like a pass catching back though, well, the all-time rusher for the Miami Hurricanes is available. <laughs> Duke Johnson. There we go. Of course, always back to Duke Johnson. Now,
0: you could argue that for all the same reasons Marquise Brown is an under the radar winner too, right? Yeah. Galladay didn't go to Baltimore. Chark didn't go to Baltimore. No one went to Baltimore.
1: I just worry about Marquise Brown in the sense that last year, I mean, from was it the last six games, he had the second highest target rate in the NFL behind only Devontae Adams. And in that six week span, he finished wide receiver fourteen. So he scored six touchdowns in his last six games and only averaged sixteen PPR points per game. So when he was the alpha he was the guy well they're they have
0: very few receivers in the formation mm-hmm. so his target rate and on player profiler target rate is targets per team pass attempt yeah he's going to command a huge target rate because it's him and mark andrews like they got two receivers in the formation
1: but say for all that work all that all that uh, attention that he was getting he still only scored 16 fantasy points per game it's crazy. It doesn't wow me.
0: No. You like Marvin Jones, right? He's now in Jacksonville.
1: I think that's – it's one of those moves that, you know, we you know we, we like to think we're cleverer than we are, a lot of us. I mean I do because I'm not very really clever. So I always like to think I'm cleverer. But if we put, you know, enough dots together, eventually we can form a nice pattern, you know, and tell ourselves it makes sense. So Marvin Jones goes to Jacksonville because their offensive coordinator is Darrell Bevel, who was offensive coordinator the last two years with Detroit. And if you look, once Daryl, it's now. I, f- I remember this—the last time I was on, I talked about a small sample size between Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle, and I was belittled by the host. You may know him; he looks a bit like you. So, if we look at the small sample size when Daryl Bevel became interim head coach for Detroit, oh god, Marvin Jones was bananas the last five w- weeks of the season. Do I think he's going to go and be Trevor Lawrence's? You know, you know, the guy. Is he Could going to be it his be that or not?
0: Bevel saw Marvin Jones perform at a high level during his time in Detroit, and then said, "Let's go get this guy for my new team because I saw him perform well." Isn't that all it, it is? That's clearly all it is. I'm, I'm not sure. Is it Daryl Bevel directing the football to Marvin Jones? Because that's what that implies. It implies yeah. that when Daryl Bevel is in charge of the offense, that the ball is directed to Jones, that he insists the ball go to Jones. I don't think that's what's happening at all.
1: Probably not. I mean, the one thing that we do like about this is, is it gives Jacksonville an established duo on the outside because we've got must well, say established. You've got Marvin Jones, you've got DJ Chark. They're probably going to cancel each other out to an extent, and it's probably not going to be good for DJ Chark's long-term.
0: It's not good for DJ Chark. We brought DJ Chark down significantly in the Dynasty rankings because of this. It also means that DJ Chark is less likely to be back next year. Mm-hmm. It's bad news for Chark, man.
1: But it's great news for LaVisca Chenault. It's fine.
0: It's fine. You have to look at the roles. It's the reason why Kenny Galladay going to New York significantly throttles Darius Slayton, he's taking Slayton's job. It's not a major impact on Sterling Shepard. Sterling Shepard comes down slightly, right? Of course, because less targets, so he will produce less, but not nearly at the same rate as Darius Slayton. It's the same with Naheem Hines versus Jonathan Taylor. Oh no, Jonathan Taylor's coming down, coming down. The percentage decrease is tiny compared to the percentage decrease for Naheem Hines. In Jacksonville, the percentage decrease for Chark significantly more than Chenault. And I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. But who is the number one wide receiver now in Detroit? Who's it?
1: Is it is it Perriman? This is one of those questions, like, you know, who's the best singer in one direction? You know, ultimately, who gives a shit? You know, it's it's you know, it probably is <laughs> Bashar Perriman. but again, I'd love it to be Tyrell Williams but it's probably going to be Quintus Cephas. But ultimately, who cares? Quintus because they're not, Cephas? Because you know, they've got Jared Goff. So ultimately, oh. you know, the, the the throttler of wide receiver production that he can be yes. on a crap team that wants to bite kneecaps. You no, know, it doesn't really matter.
0: But what we love are satellite backs that create separation out of the backfield tethered to immobile quarterbacks because mm-hmm. those are the running backs that soak up the most targets. That was Austin Eckler with Philip Rivers. That's Alvin Kamara with Drew Brees. That's DeAndre Swift with Jared Goff. DeAndre Swift is a target magnet, and with Jared Goff, it should supercharge his target share. I could see him getting 100 targets this year.
1: It would be lovely, because as you say, he has that, three down skill set. He has shown he's an excellent pass catcher. I tweeted it and no one disagreed. I tweeted it and no one on twitter.com disagreed. There is one small fly in the ointment. No he's not that small. That's Jamal Williams in that he is this Mm. he's the coach's dream. No, I see he goes in. He does the hard yards. He does the pass blocking. He's out there. He's not going to get. You know, he's not going to get his quarterback hit. So he's going to get his reception. So unless the Lions are going to do what teams have been threatening to do for years, but never actually do, in the sense that we're going to line him up in the slot. Bullshit. No, you're not. Because you never do. No one ever does. Duke Johnson. He's more of a slot receiver than a running back. No, he isn't. And you're not going to use him as such. Stop wasting our time with this. So. While it'd be lovely if, you know, if it was the concentrated targets of TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, and that's it, it's not going to happen. Because, say, look, follow the money. They've signed Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams will do the hard work. He'll stick his face into the fan. And he'll get his, you know, 30, 40 receptions himself. He's
0: going to stick his face in the fan. I love that visual.
1: Stick his face in the fan.
0: Did you ever do that as a kid? When you talk into the
1: fan and it it, it changes your voice? Um, I don't think so. There are a whole host of things I did as a youngster and into my 30s that were, you know, probably Hello. stupid and hazardous to my health. But I, I don't think I did that. I think that's
0: how Elizabeth Holmes, the former CEO of Theranos, she she changed her voice over time to be deeper. I think she might have practiced talking to a fan. Cleveland Clinic, uh, Walgreens, so many of the other partners that we have have Seen our technology, they've worked with us, they've used our systems, and they understand what we're doing, and they understand that when you try to change things, uh, people react to it.
1: This is bullshit. Bullshit. That's some bullshit. If that isn't a good advert for the progress, I don't know what is.
0: Theranos would bankrupt.
1: Oh, okay. Thoughts and prayers.
0: It was a fake product. They sold a fake blood testing product. Never worked. They sold a product that never worked to Walgreens and were worth $10 billion at one point. Just a complete fabrication. Just made it all up. It was like they were playing house, but they were playing company. Absolutely (laughs) absurd. And she decided to change her voice.
1: No doubt to sound sincere as they're fleecing multi-billion dollar corporations out of multi-billion dollars. I mean, that was the weirdest thing. I was like, as
0: soon as I found out she changed her voice intentionally, I was like, okay, all right. I think that's enough. Now, A.J. Dillon,
1: is he still a bye? Not for me, because it's it's getting harder and harder to look at anything the Green Bay Packers did in the 2020 draft class with any degree of affection. It's a bit like that time for Christmas. My better half said, you're really going to love your present and bought me a DNA testing kit, and I was like, "What the? F- wh- why would I want this? Come on, just spit <laughs> into this tube." Merry Christmas! It's like I've had no happy memories from this gift. It has done me no benefit at all. That's pretty much what that entire draft class has been. You know, the quarterback they don't need, a running back they were not going to use. So it's it's hard to look at Dylan as a buy because eight, you know, Aaron Jones isn't going anywhere, and I don't think he's going to be used. I don't think I am. A.J. Dillon is going to be used the same way that Jamal Williams was so that you even have desperation, no standalone value,
0: no desperation, standalone value for A.J. Dillon. No. (laughs) Now we know, we know, we know, we know Nelson Aguilar going to be the number one in New England. He's making an obscene amount of money for someone with Nelson Aguilar's skill set, but no one's talking about who the number two is going to be. Is it Kendrick Bourne? Is it Jacoby Myers? Is it Nikhil Harry? Who is the number two receiver? Because they're going to run a lot of twelve personnel, understood. But there is going to be a number two receiver in the formation. Who is that? Well,
1: you don't need a number two when you've got Nelson Aguilar, surely. Um, but you know, we are. I I don't think anyone would look you know particularly favorably if it was Nikhil Harry, as he's gone down the Chad Jackson school of. Oh look, the Patriots have drafted a wide receiver it's that didn't go well. It's over. It's over. You know, I think it's between Myers and Bourne. There is, of course, Edelman has to come back. But again,
0: Edelman.
1: That's right. He's not retired. He's, it's it's one of those though, as you say. It's you know, speaking as an Eagles fan of you know someone who they can't pick a wide receiver to save their life. The Patriots You look at it and say, Jacoby Myers was good in spells last year because no one else was. So does that mean he's? Good I don't know, so it's not it's it's one of those passing games that really doesn't inspire confidence in any pieces but makes you feel slightly better about the quarterback.
0: yeah, you'd only care late in a best ball draft whether you're going born, whether you're going myers. I'm gonna go with the guy they paid right Myers is undrafted and he's a similar skill set he's an intermediate separator. That's what Myers does. That's what Bourne does. They're very similar. I'm going to lean Bourne because they paid him, and that's it. I'm not going to be drafting any Edelman in any format. I see Edelman trying to come back, right? He's had all these lower body injuries in his 30s and not making it to week one. I think he retires at some point in training camp or preseason. Okay, not happening. I think he retires this summer at some point.
1: There's no chance of him overcoming the born supremacy. Boom, good night. I just don't think
0: I just don't think it's I just he's old and he's super broken. I just I maybe I just don't know if there is enough human growth hormone in the world to repair all that damage. I just at this age, I maybe, 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 maybe not. Whose dynasty stock was hurt more? going to New England? Was it Jonu Smith, who you love, or Hunter Henry?
1: I think it's Hunter Henry because while they are both, you know, highly skilled receivers, I think the perception will be that Jonu will do the bulk of the receiving. So get the fun stuff, you know, like catches and receptions and fantasy points. Is that stuff fun? Uh, it's well, it, it tortures me. It's Apparently some people do this for fun. <laughs> I've never met any of these people. Um, whereas I think Hunter Henry, you know, is probably going to He's going to be expected to do the proper tight end things, you know, as in, you know, the blocking. May get the odds, you know, he'll probably, you know, get, you know, he'll be used down in the red zone, but that's where John, who does well as well. So mm-hmm. I think that I'm not super excited about either of them at the moment. No, they, they, they both came down. Mm, it's, it was one of those, it was, you know, it's what's better than one asc- young ascending tight end? Two. No, Bill, it really isn't.
0: It hurts both of them, but I do believe it hurts Hunter Henry more because there was more built in expectation that Hunter Henry would always be the singular tight end on a team. Like he'd be an alpha. Like he would be the George Kittle role, there would be the Travis Kelsey role, always somewhere available to Hunter Henry. Even if he left Los Angeles, he would go somewhere to be the main guy. And the idea that he would go and not be the man—I just that was never factored in. That was always a factor with Jonu Smith. There was never an established truth that Jonu Smith is the man and he's a proper primary tight end. He can do it all. He can block in line. He can be split out wide. He can win in all phases. This guy is a true two-way tight end. That was never quite realized for Janu because he came into the league at 245 pounds, undersized. They moved him all around the formation. They played him some at running back. So you never thought of him as this inline two-way tight end, more of a Swiss army knife player with Hunter Henry. That's how you, you did think of him as a cornerstone asset for a franchise at the tight end position and now he's not now he's just in the mix with Janu and we're not sure exactly who's going to run what routes and who's going to get the priority in the passing game so you're right it hurts hunter henry more than it hurts janu smith who would you rather have in superflex right now just for this year ryan fitzpatrick or andy dalton
1: i could have answered that after the first name without knowing what the second one was as i love ryan fitzpatrick it was a when the Eagles were talking about, we're going to look for an experience back up. Oh, God, please, please. I was praying to whatever God I believe in. I'm not sure who it is. Please just start just for one year. Even, you know, it's not even because the Ryan Fitzpatrick rule. Exactly. The Ryan Fitzpatrick rule means he has to start at least three games for you. So when Jalen Hurts got hurt because it's the Eagles, it will happen. Ryan Fitzpatrick could have come in and it would have been fun. So now he has to go to Washington and torture the Eagles twice uh, next right. year. The weapons. I mean, I just think the pass catchers that you now have with that trio—yeah, Tony trio, yeah. McLaurin, Logan Thomas, Curtis Samuel—whereas the Bears well, have got Alan Robinson. Don't forget about
0: Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick. Absolutely everywhere whereas, he looks, quality pass catchers, electric in space. Everybody,
1: everybody. Logan Thomas well, was a revelation he, last year. He was. I was because I, I can't tell you the number of articles I wrote for a number of different sites saying this is the late round tight end to own. And not once did I say Logan Thomas. Not oh, come once. on. I thought you
0: were going to say not you did.
1: Once. No. The number of I – mean, put it this way. If I ever meet Ian Thomas or Chris Herndon, we're going to be having words. <laughs> Ian Thomas. Remember that guy? Uh, Listen,
0: it's not over for a guy like Ian Thomas. He's still young. Tight ends break out in their mid-20s all the time. Just look at Logan Thomas. If Ian Thomas Mm. wants some encouragement, just look at Logan Thomas. But when you look at Terry McLaurin, was he helped or hurt by the addition of Curtis Samuel?
1: I think he was helped because while they are, I'm not going to say similar, but they are both speedy guys, I think that Curtis Samuel's usage, again, we're we're assuming rational coaching – it will enable McLaurin to see more favorable matchups. Now, I say, as we know, I'm a massive film grinder. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I know what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's what they're all saying. Yeah, you know, that yeah, they all fear yeah, my my film film analysis. But I just think that it's going to help take some of the pressure off McLaurin. And I always feel more comfortable when, I say, when there's a three. So when there's McLaurin, Thomas, Samuel. If it was McLaurin and Thomas, it's, uh, it's a little bit iffy. But now Samuel's there. He's not going to be the focal point because that is McLaurin but he is enough of a threat to take some of the focus away from him. So I think it's a good move for McLaurin. I like it for Samuel as well, um, but more more so for Terry McLaurin.
0: You know there's a rule of three, right? The rule of thirds. Have mm. you heard of this? Mm-hmm. It says that everything that's good comes in threes. It's why there's a trilogy. And it applies even to advertising and marketing, where if you see something three times in three different contexts – then your brain will process it as something that is desirable. That's why so many of these digital marketing companies focus on retargeting. That's why you go to a website and you look up a product and then you can't escape that product. Every other website you go to has that product showing up in a banner ad. That's part of the rule of thirds. They want to hit you three times.
1: It can be slightly annoying, though, if, you know, you made a purchase on like Amazon. Say, for example, you bought a toilet seat. I don't need another one. I don't <laughs> therefore need to be bombarded with adverts offering me them. You bought a toilet seat on Amazon and everywhere you go, your whole user experience is polluted by just toilet seats everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Emails coming in. How would you rate your toilet seat? It lets me sit down. You know that, that, That's how I rate it.
0: Gabriel Davis, no fart sounder there. No John Brown. They didn't backfill him. Another quiet, big winner, huh?
1: Absolutely. I think, though, that Gabriel Davis was one of those people that the second the Bills finished, you know, the second they lost to the Chiefs, that everyone was proclaiming that it was going to be his year because of how good he was on such a limited sample in 2020. So you'd have to say that even though – I mean, they've brought in Emmanuel Sanders. It's not direct competition. It's not. They're not the same player. But I think that it's almost as if just by the fact that they haven't done anything and that Gabriel Davis was supposed to be such, such a big winner anyway, he's almost being perceived as something of a loser, even though nothing has actually changed. I mean, he, he, we, we were going to love him. We were probably going to, you know, people were going to draft him probably a little bit too high because, you know, we've got Stefan Diggs, who is, as we say, the only reason Josh Allen is good anymore. You know, they've got him there, still got Cole Beasley. So I think we were going to like Um, Gabriel Davis, I think there's just a chance that we're probably going to slightly overvalue him because he wasn't going to score his touchdowns at such an outrageous rate this year. We shoot. Right.
0: It's it's not a player that I'm targeting. 19.4% touchdown rate is going to come way down. The yards per reception, 17.1%. That's going to come down. This entire Buffalo passing game has nowhere to go but down. They peaked last year. It can't get better. Right, So I think that Diggs, Gabriel, Josh Allen, not a source of value this year, unfortunately. unfortunately. I think it's good for Gabriel Davis that there's no more John Brown. I just can't see myself zeroing in on him or any member of this passing game as a value. What about Jared Cook going to Los Angeles? Nuked Donald Parnum. I get it. Sorry, Donald. We predicted that. But Jared Cook himself with Justin Herbert, it's it's interesting.
1: It's interesting. Uh, I mean, as you say, you know, it, it takes a lot to keep anyone who went down to the powerhouse of Stetson to keep them down. But, you know, it has slightly crippled Donald Parham's season, which I believe is what the kids say. It, it's one of those, though, with Cook. When it was signed, I didn't – my initial reaction was just, Neh. I mean, it's one of those – I don't think he's going to get a ton of volume. He may score the odd touchdown. and I thought, well, who cares? And then I remembered that pretty much if you catch a touchdown pass – you're a tight end one in any given week. Right. So actually it's, it's it's one of those that actually maybe I should be excited about this. I love talking tight
0: ends with you. You love tight ends. I love tight ends. What about Adam Troutman? Is he going to be a monster?
1: I hope so, but it's the saints offense now that mm. we've had, the last couple of years we've had, you know, uh, and now there'll be a short intermission, and they've put another quarterback in, and it's like, oh, this this still looks good, and oh, this works, and oh, it's okay. Oh, Drew's back, it's okay, that's all okay. good. Whereas now it's like, yeah, we don't have the Drew Brees cavalry coming over the hill, you know, to save us. It is going to be Laysik, Laysik, Winston, or Taysom Hill. Was it a cavalry last year though?
0: Drew Brees, the low target depth, he looked like Philip Rivers, and not. Not as bad as Ben Roethlisberger, and certainly not as bad as Ben Roethlisberger this year. It's going to be so bad with Ben, but he wasn't great. No,
1: Jameis Winston's got to be an upgrade for fantasy purposes. Well, he is, but I mean, speaking of someone who has you know recycled the same six or seven jokes at every job he's had over the last twenty years, and I usually leave or get reassigned so I can start using them again. Sean Payton is so committed to this Taysom Hill bit that even if Jameis Winston is the starter. Taysom's not going away. It's not going to be, no, no, I want Taysom, I want Jameis Winston on the field, 100% the snaps, so between the 20s, in the red zone. No, because he took Drew Brees, well, Drew Brees was good, off the field for Taysom Hill. He's going to do that to Jameis Winston. So it's like, Jameis, if you're going to throw touchdowns, they're going to have to be bombs, because you ain't getting these five-yard layups inside the red zone, because we're going to put Taysom Hill in for them. So you'd like to think that maybe, you know, it's Adam Troutman, as we say, is, you know, potentially could be you know a dominant tight end in a, you know, it's a toxic position, but he could be someone who sees consistent opportunity and consistent touchdown opportunity. But then you run the fact that well we're in the red zone. They're just going to run it with Taysom Hill because that's how Sean Payton wants to troll the entire fantasy community. So that's what worries me. It should worry you, but is, if it's going
0: to be Jameis Winston, 80% of the snaps under center, right? 80% of the dropbacks go to Winston you love that. you love that because he made O.J. Howard the most efficient tight end in the league two consecutive seasons. Now, because Cameron Brait was also there, O.J. Howard was never a monster fantasy producer, but there's no one left. Josh Hill is gone, even, in New Mm -hmm. Orleans. They've decided it's going to be the Adam Troutman show, and if it's Jameis Winston airing it out, there's very few exciting pass catchers left. You have Michael Thomas you have Traquan Smith on the outside, and then down the seam, Adam Troutman. I'm excited. I'm allowed to get excited. Who do you think is a better value though? Is it Jameis Winston or is it Cam Newton? Because both of these former first overall picks have had a fall from grace and their dynasty value continues to plummet year over year. But at this point, who's a better value?
1: I think it's Cam Newton for that reason that Cam Newton, assuming he's fit so as I say this, you know we assume he's fit he's healthy, he's the starter assuming Bill Belichick doesn't decide I've spent all this free agency money now it's time to trade three first round picks to go up and get a quarterback Cam Newton is going to be the quarterback and he's going to play 100% of the snaps and we know that when they get into the red zone he likes to call his own number whereas Jameis has gone, okay I've got us into the red zone I'm splitting out wide, am I Sean? Sure? Okay, that's that's great so And as we've seen all these pieces that they've put in place in New England, you know, the the God that is Nelson Aguilar, you know, Kendrick Bourne, you know, the two tight ends, they want to run the ball as well. It's all set up to get the best out of Cam Newton. Whereas Mm. I I still think that while we we would love Jameis Winston if he was guaranteed 100% of the snaps on 100% area of the field, Sean Payton is going to troll us all and put Taysom Hill in when it really counts.
0: Who's more underrated, TJ Hawkinson or Dallas Goddard? I like both.
1: I like both, but underrated. I think it's it's still Hawkinson. Well, people say
0: Hawkinson's overrated. He hasn't done anything yet.
1: No, these, these people you no know, you can't trust them. The people who say that no, they can't be trusted.
0: Zoom out, man. Hawkinson was a phenomenal prospect, top ten pick, and's been snake bitten by injuries and David Baugh at quarterback for a significant period of time. Get out of here. He's just coming into his prime. As a tight end, that third year mag- that magical third year leap window is here for T.J. Hawkinson. I couldn't be more excited, but then again, Dallas Goddard, he's like the number one he's the number one receiver. These are both the de facto number one receivers in their passing game. that's what I love about him so much.
1: And both of them have, you know, will finally be free from being under the 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 yoke of a superior target, Magnus. I mean, obviously, Dallas Goddard is now going to be free of Zach Ertz. We assume. What's the story there? Ertz is still under contract. It's one of those. It just. I think if Howie Roseman gets bitter, he does it better than anyone else. So I think that the fact that Howie Roseman has gone bitter with Zach Ertz, it's going to drag out and it's going to get nasty.
0: Do you have a particular? late-round tight end that you're targeting? If we assume that Goddard and Hawkinson and even Troutman get pushed up, especially in Dynasty, do you have another guy
1: that could be this year's Logan Thomas? Well, when I say that he plays from Minnesota, everyone assumes I talk about Irv Smith, but I do not. I talk about Tyler Conklin. Yeah! because you look last year once Kyle Rudolph you know went off into that great good night and ended his season and his time with the Vikings the last um, 3 4 weeks of the season they played the same number of snaps i think there was one snap difference and Tyler Conklin had one more target than Herb Smith it's nothing's changed i mean you know C- uh, Gary Kubiak isn't the offensive coordinator anymore but to show how diverse the nfl is we'll give the job to Clint Kubiak I think they might be related. I don't know. <laughs> I think we can guys, guess they probably are.
0: These NFL players, these people. Conklin to close out the season in the month of December. 25, 25, 32, 22 routes run. 5, 4, 6, 6 targets.
1: Hello. As I say, he's going to be the one that, they, they say they both played similar amounts of snaps, but he's the one who projects to be the proper tight end. He's going to drive Irv Smith people crazy. Irv Smith enthusiasts
0: are going to hate Tyler Conklin, but I'm going to have more Conklin than Smith, so I'm going to love it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Of all these sophomore wide receivers, I'm looking at Jalen Rager, I'm looking at Michael Pittman, Henry Ruggs. Who do you think is going to make the leap of all those guys that didn't quite fire last year?
1: I'm not at all biased in this because I hated the pick when it happened. And has done very little to change my mind since then. But I think Jalen Rager is going to surprise people because I think he's actually going to be, you know, better than advertised. Because it wasn't a great season, but it was on such a dysfunctional offense with a quarterback who, you know, was d- didn't realize that you know you're not supposed to throw it to the members of the other team. It's not, you know, it's it's not it's not cricket. No, We can we can punt it away to them, Carson. You don't have to arm-punt it. It's fine.
0: I thought they were playing cricket at one point, and then I found out, no, it's actually football.
1: Yes, that's it. I mean, my, my youngest daughter, bless her, whatever I'm watching, if it's cricket, she says it's American football. If it's American football, she says it's cricket. Bless her. Um, she'll, she'll learn the difference one day. Um, you know, when I stick a helmet and some pads on her and tackle her, she might learn then. Um, but Jalen Rager is, let's see, it's got Dallas Goddard. It's Jalen Rager, and then it's who? John Hightower, Quez Walker, Jamar Chase, JJ Ortega, Lightside, maybe J- uh, Jamar Chase. Yes. Jamar Chase. Is that where you want him to land? You want him to go to Philadelphia, right? I do, but he's the right wide receiver at the right time, which means Howie Roseman will pick the wrong one. <laughs> you think Roseman's going to go Devonta Smith? Oh, probably. It will probably just troll us all and go Jalen Waddle. Just, you know, just just for shits and giggles.
0: Well, no, that's a question now. Devonta Smith is officially weighed in at 170
1: pounds. Are we sure that he's better than Waddle? If you look at the numbers at the start of last year, um, if Jalen Waddle stays healthy for the whole season, Devonta Smith does not win that Heisman, and it's not even close. I'm not saying Waddle wins it, but Smith certainly doesn't.
0: 170 pounds. There have been successful Hall of Famers. That came into the league at 170 pounds. Marvin Harrison came in at 170 pounds from Syracuse, finished his career at 180 pounds. Chad Johnson came in, named Chad Johnson, and he left the league, named Chad Ochocinco. But he claims to come in at 170 and left the league at 180. Like, these guys put on 10
1: pounds... That was the extra letters on his jersey. That added 10 pounds. When he went from Johnson to Ocho Cinco. he got heavier.
0: Right, right. They claim that that's what happens, right? They, You come in at 170, you end up at 180, you're fine. You can be Chad Ocho Cinco and be almost a Hall of Famer, or you can be Marvin Harrison and be a no-doubt Hall of Famer and possibly underworld boss. Possible. Allegedly. But there are precious few examples of the 170-pound player who's not particularly athletic, breaking out. It's just a rare case. You're betting on an outlier. Mm-hmm. Now, we're not sure how athletic Devonta Smith is because he refused to test. But that in and of itself is a red flag. Why didn't he test? Why didn't he run? If he's fast, why wouldn't he want to show the world how fast he is?
1: Ah! Ah! Yeah, as you say, it's the red flag that isn't a red flag, so therefore, by definition, becomes a red flag.
0: How far does he fall in the dynasty rankings? I can tell you that he's going to end up below Rondale Moore. Rondale Moore is just a superior prospect in every way. I'm not sorry. Does he fall further? Does he fall below Terrace Marshall, below Jalen Waddell? Stay tuned. Now, is there a sophomore wide receiver you think might disappoint This year?
1: Um, My initial thought of this was Henry Ruggs. I remember that he technically disappointed last year, so has to actually do something.
0: Can't say Henry Ruggs. You can't say Henry Ruggs. You can't say Devin Duvernay. You can't say Michael Pittman. All those guys disappointed. Now, Michael Pittman had compartment syndrome last year, so I think that Michael Pittman's a candidate to break out. I think that you could have said Michael Pittman. I would have been with you, either Rager or Pittman, but would it be crazy to say that... Justin Jefferson can't match what he did last year. I mean, there's so much enthusiasm around, but I've seen so often, whether it's Juju Smith-Schuster, so many young receivers have this massive breakout game fueled by negative game scripts, you know, the defense collapsing, the offense flipping over into comeback mode week in, week out. Things change. The defense improves, the offensive line improves, the sensibilities of the offensive coordinator are different. Suddenly, the team's not throwing as much. Suddenly, the big boom performances are fewer and far between. It's, it's not crazy, right? Like, I, I – but, but why would you do that? Right? Why, why would you come out against Justin Jefferson? Everybody loves Justin Jefferson. It would be insane to do that. Why would you do that?
1: I personally won't. Um, so the person I will say is we have mentioned him before, and we talk about someone who had the big breakout game. You know, I, I think if memory serves, he scored four touchdowns in a game. We've seen that a returner to the fold is going to cripple everyone, so I don't think I really worry that Chase Claypool is going to be one of those names that at the end of the season is going to be a, whoa. Remember that guy? That's that's a that's a much better choice than Justin Jefferson.
0: I didn't say Justin Jefferson. Right? I was just said what if someone had said Justin Jefferson? Yeah, and just as a hypothetical. I not like I would say not. not. I love... Look, can't get enough Justin Jefferson. Don't ever say I don't like Justin Jefferson. Love him. That was a hypothetical. That was an example. Give you time. Filibuster. So you had time to think of Chase Claypool, which is the correct answer. Now, Give me a running back you're trying to acquire in dynasty beyond a Chase Edmonds. Well,
1: I think some of the shimmer seems. I, I, I'm not bringing this all back to the team that suf- that I suffer through watching every Sunday. Believe me, but you keep talking about Eagles players. You're going to say Miles Sanders now or what? I am going to say Miles Sanders. Of course you are. I just yeah, I just think that people that there's there's two schools. There's other people who think Miles Sanders is awful, or there's people who say that now. Who says he's awful? No one says he's awful people think he's awful there must be hypothetical people who say oh okay. it's hyper- okay. you know, yeah it's a rhetorical yeah. trick okay the hypothetical people who hate justin jefferson as well um you know miles you know miles sanders they'll say you know no doug peterson so now he'll see a good workload he got a good workload last year i think you're fine but and again you know i've i've, I've wounded you with your hypothetical comment so i shall now ret- i shall now flip it on its head and say someone who resembles you one spoke of something called the Alfred Morris corollary. Oh, yes. And that seems to be what we have here with you know with the Eagles, yes. with Jalen Hurts as a mobile quarterback. We saw last year the first game that Hurts started against one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL. Both of them rushed for 100 yards. One thing that needs to happen that they just went away from last year for some reason, I don't know whether it was Sanders, I don't know whether it was the quality of the pass, but Sanders as a receiver was not good. Last year, it's just terrible compared to what he was last year, Would he have been a legitimate big game threat as a receiver. So if they can get him back going again in, you know, the screen game or running, you know, the routes out of the backfield, he's someone who's going to have a big year next year, even if the Eagles are bad because the way the Eagles are going to run, obviously with Jalen Hurts, it's going to be centered around the running game. And I just think at the moment, I mean, I've seen him, you know, I've I've seen him down like running back 16 in startups Mm. and he's around the same area as where Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going and I think I'd rather have Sanders than Hilaire
0: prior to week six he strains his knee in week six doesn't come back until week 10 so strains his knee in week six before that he didn't have a game below a 75% snap share so it's a 75% snap share 79% snap share 85 and then week five a 92.3% snap share 24 fantasy points and then he strains his knee the very next week and he's not the same until week 14 against New Orleans and then what happens? Strains his knee again. What do you think that means? If you strain your knee early in the season and then you aggravate it later in the season, were you ever 100% after that initial knee sprain, Neil?
1: Probably not, but as we know knee sprains can be career-threatening injuries. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so this is another reason I love Miles Sanders. There's a very clear and easy rationale to explain his awesome performances at times and his disappearance last year. It's one of the easiest things to explain in all of fantasy football. Give us an aging receiver past the AJPAX that you're buying in all formats.
1: I liked my answer better when I first thought of it. I came up with it last night, and then I woke up to news that I thought, mm, it slightly hurt me. But I really, really like, and will always really, really like, Robert Woods. Mm. Mm. Especially now he's getting the, you know, the quarterback upgrade, but he can't say it's a quarterback upgrade, because we saw what happened when Michael Brockers said it was a quarterback upgrade, and then he got sent to Detroit to play with the old bad quarterback.
0: You, you um, don't hear a lot of Robert Woods, right? When a player... Is as reliable as Robert Woods, and he gets to Robert Woods' age. No one's talking about Robert Woods in March. It's no. just, it's just one of the f- least discussed players in the NFL right now. You know what he is. He's a metronome, but there's no Josh Reynolds. He goes to Tennessee. They upgrade the quarterback. All signs point to Robert Woods being productive yet again.
1: And hopefully, I mean, they say they've signed to Sean Jackson. So when Jackson's fit for those five games that he'll play in 2020, you won.
0: Five games? You think he'll play five games?
1: I'm, I'm, I think I'm being bold. Uh, you know, I, I, I'll say four and a half. Um, five whole games? Well, spread over three different periods, you know, the first couple of weeks, the middle weeks, and then the end. But hopefully Robert Woods might actually start seeing some targets downfield as opposed to just the extended handoffs that he's been living on the last couple of years. Travis Etienne, Najee Harris. Who you got? I did go with Najee Harris initially, but then we saw what um, Travis Etienne weighed in at, and I was like, no, now we're done. now I'm flipping. Sorry, Najee, I'm going with uh, I'm going with Travis.
0: It's almost like you're focusing on the right details. Like weight really matters for running backs. It really matters for receivers. Etienne up,
1: Devonta Smith down. It's just it's it's what happens. Kenny Gainwell's popping right. Absolutely, I've been getting the game well in like a few mock drafts that I've been doing. A few rookie mocks. Nice, nice. Look at you, look at you, Neil. I try my best, as you know. I mean, I you know I don't like to blow my own uh, trumpet, but I am one of the worst dynasty players on the planet. Um, so uh, you know the 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 rationale is that I have to actually start looking at why I'm bad and by throwing I think I better do some rookie mocks otherwise this team that I've got that I'm looking at saying why is this not winning it's almost like I just picked the wrong players no it can't be that And um, I just think where well, I've been getting game well I've been I've been liking it and then he comes in as you say his weight 201 you think yep hey, I really like that as well
0: expectations you see how that works Devonta Smith you see that Now, you're in the second round of Rookie Mock. Let's say Gainwell's not there. Who are you targeting?
1: Jamar Jefferson. Oh, who would you rather have? I think I'd rather have Jefferson. I think I probably would as well. I mean, I think I like the fact that Jefferson, he has a 25-catch season on his resume. Mm. This year, among this running back class, he was third in yards after contact. So I like that as well. The only problem is I've seen one scouting report. Well, I tell a lie. I've seen several, and they all use the same phrase, upright running style and oh. the only thing i then think of is god. latavius mori
0: god the upright running style criticism is just so lame this is what i love javante williams and jamar jefferson are going to be 21 years old when the nfl draft happens they're going to just have turned 21 years old Najee harris already 23 travis Etienne well into his age 22 season Gainwell's already 22. Michael Carter will be 22. Kylan Hill's almost 23. Most of these running backs are older. Williams and Jefferson are by far the youngest, and they also have the requisite size to be all-purpose workhorse backs. So Jamar Jefferson... Is very much discount Javante Williams based on a lot of factors, size and age being very, very, very important. Now, in the third round, there's a smaller running back. He's like Kenny Gainwell Light from Louisville, Javian Hawkins. Have you looked at Javian
1: Hawkins at all? I have. Um, he looks like he likes to break tackles. Uh, again, I think he had 4.4 4 broken tackles per game this what? year. So obviously, you know, what? Yeah? So you know he's quite shifty. The problem I have with him is now, I've seen like I've I've seen pictures of him. I've seen you know video footage, and he looks tiny. I don't mean he looks small; he looks tiny. That worries me mm. because you know I'm still of the opinion that you know when you get to the NFL, the big bag boys will just literally say you know hey, hey small person and beat the crap out of him just you know as a course of action.
0: I think that's overblown because his BMI is in the 25th percentile because he's five nine he can be sub 200 pounds and not necessarily take a huge punishment. Like
1: Donald Sproll, Darren Sproul's esque. I think
0: that if there is a Darren Sproul's like player, or I think a better comp for JV Hawkins would be Danny Woodhead. I think he's the Danny Woodhead of this class. I think he has a high end RB two season based primarily on his receiving skills, even though he didn't show that at Louisville. It's the weirdest thing. You're taking a guy because you think he's going to be a PPR back, even though he capped out at 16 receptions. But that was in a shortened season, only eight games. So if you extrapolate it, he did have an extrapolated 20 catch season in college. And he also had a 1,500 yard season and he's younger. He's 21 years old. He's the third youngest running back of the running backs we've talked about. There's a lot to like there. The guys at Rotoviz like him. We like him. The people that
1: know what to look for really like JV and Hawkins, baby. I think as well he was he was in the, among the top ten of the this year's running backs in terms of how often he was split out wide. So while he may not have commanded targets all the time, he did get you know sent out to run routes. That's why you're on the show. That's a hell of a detail right there. Is there anyone else in the third round you're targeting? Um, not really running backs because you know the most of the drafts I've been going, the running backs have been. You know, the, the good ones have been going because... Yeah, I, once I Hawkins do... and
0: Michael Carter are off the board, you pivot to wide receiver.
1: Mm-hmm. And the one that I do seem to be getting a lot of is, you know, ironically, where Hawkins went to school. It's a 2-2 Atwell. Oh. Do we have any idea how fast this guy's going to run? I don't know.
0: Um, I would imagine he will be quite quick. I think he's going to blaze. This guy could mm. blaze. I mean, Daniel Jeremiah loves him, and I think that Daniel Jeremiah is losing it. But if Dwayne Eskridge is going to get pushed up because he went to the senior bowl, Tutu Atwell didn't have that ability, I don't see a big difference. I think you're you trying to get a super fast field stretcher in the second round, like a KJ Hamler. There's just a couple Hamlers in this draft, and I think that I think that Tutu Atwell is the best analog to KJ Hamler. And I was getting a lot of KJ Hamler in the third round last year, and I'll probably come right back and, and grab a bunch of Tutu Atwell because... Even if you're small, be super fast. That's what I'm saying. Hey, you know Devonta Smith. It's fine. You could be small, but you were productive, so you already have a huge advantage. Now just show us you're fast, please. Just show us you're fast, and all will be forgiven. Nah, nah. He's not. He's not doing that.
1: Nah. I say Atwell does look like he's one of the few receivers who could call Marquise Brown a fat boy. Uh, but you know, it, as I say, if he's <laughs> if he is quick. And apparently, you know, he did run quite a diverse route tree at Louisville. Now, I'm not saying, you know, they're, you know, it's the most pro style, pro ready offence, but he wasn't just asked, just run this and we'll try you know, and, you know, bank on a team in the NFL trying to figure out how best to use him. It does look like they did move him around, ask him to do different things. And, you know, as you know, the more you can do, the more you're asked to do. And that can only help someone who is gonna go later in the draft than some of the bigger names.
0: We just got the testing numbers from Tamarian Terry, and they're not good. I was very hopeful for Tamarian Terry. We had pushed him up. There was a possibility he was going to have the best speed score in the class. That's not going to happen. That might, have, that might go to Mike Strachan. Mike Strachan from Charleston is a monster. He's like 6'4", runs fast, super athletic. So size, speed, specimen, Mike Strachan, not, I repeat, not Tamarian Terry, weighs in at 207, Runs a four four four. That's just common. That's just common traits. And you're we're not looking for common traits from a guy that wasn't a superior producer at a young age. Tamarian Terry is older. He's now not as fast as we were hoping. He's not as big as we were hoping. He's going to crash in the rankings. No one is gonna fall as much as Tamarian Terry because there was great upside embedded in his ranking, and now it's just being taken away. We were relying on the testing with Terry, and if he's not going to test
1: well, we can't rank him very high. It's a shame. I think it is a shame, because as you say, the testing, if he tested well, it would have assuaged a lot of fears that we would have had because of how much his production dipped in 2020 compared to 2019. I mean, he went from 19.8 yards per section down to 12.6. His catch rate fell from 65 to 57. I know he's had... I think he's had meniscal surgery in both knees. This is not good, man. I
0: ugh, God. Give me Anthony Schwartz. He's going to fall below Anthony Schwartz because we know Anthony Schwartz is definitively fast. This guy is a world-class sprinter, and he lined up all over the formation. He took carries, screen passes, and he was running a diverse route tree. This guy looks the part of a starting field stretcher in the NFL, a real versatile stretch Z in the NFL. I'm excited to see him play. I'm excited to see him test Anthony Schwartz. You like this guy?
1: I do like him. Cause again, he's someone that I think we're all just expecting him to be fast. So I don't think we need, it's one of those. We don't need to worry about that. The one worry I have about him. And again, this is things that I've read. And this is it's a quote that stuck with me. Some people can read Shakespeare and, you know, think, remember quotes. I can't, I'll remember quotes like "He will find the sideline when available."
0: (laughs) Of course, he is. He's small. He's also very young. He's only twenty point six years old. Find a wide receiver that's younger than Anthony Schwartz. You can't. Even Elijah Moore, Terrace Marshall, and Rondell Moore are at least a couple months older. Schwartz is so young. He's so young. He's more than three years younger, three years younger than Dwayne Eskridge. That's why we have him right ahead of him. Like, how could you have him right? No, it's not my fault that the NFL has it wrong with Anthony Schwartz, that they can't see his potential. It's not our problem. You just need to close your eyes and use your imagination. Take a guy with this dynamism and this kind of straight line speed And this production profile in the SEC, he has huge potential in the NFL. And I know that we seem to be the only service that can see it. We're happy to post him up in the top 15 and let everyone else be wrong.
1: I think that's what a wise man once said, you know, never stop your enemy when he's making mistakes. So I think that's the situation there. Everyone else doesn't like him. That's fine. You can be wrong. You can be wrong. That's right. fine. I mean, but right. I do worry that he is the second coming of Ted Ginn. But as you say, he is, you know, he, he's only young. He could develop into something better than that. Oh yeah, he, You want Anthony Schwartz.
0: You want him. And he's a guy you can get in the third round. Mm. Kyle Pitts. You can't get him in the third round. You can't get him in the second round. You may not be able to get him in the second half of the first round. I don't understand how he's going so early in rookie drafts because tight ends simply don't produce at all. I know that Travis Kelsey did last year, but that was one guy in one year. I mean, I know you love tight ends.
1: Can you defend this Kyle Pitts ADP? I really can't because, I mean, speaking of someone who spends an inordinate amount of his time writing about them, researching them, thinking about them, he's a tight end. And someone's, I mean, you know, my illustrious co-host on Waxing Lyrical did say, but what if he turns out to be Travis Kelsey? What if? You know, yeah. In 2017 through a three first round. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Devonta Smith. Yes, he could be Marvin Harrison. That's very possible. Right. And mm-hmm. if it's, if that's true, then it, we, we could go back and say, no, you shouldn't have taken Najee Harris. You shouldn't have taken ETN. No. Right. Jamar chase. Forget those guys. You could have had Marvin Harrison. You could have had Travis Kelsey. Yes. In hindsight, perhaps, but we only have the information we have in front of us with Smith. We we have a bunch of blank spaces, and with Kyle Pitts, we have one very critical, important piece of information: his position.
1: Oh no, but he's an offensive weapon, and they could use his wide receiver. Oh yeah, yeah, that 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 goes well.
0: When they remember they reclassify players as weapons. Ugh. Tavon Austin, he's a weapon. l Patterson, he's a, he's actually a weapon. He's not a position that you know. No, no, it's a okay. weapon. He's now offensive weapon. He's OW. He's not a WR. He's not a RB. He's a OW. Fuck the only out times, of here, the man. only
1: two times that has ever worked was last year, the first st- time that Taysom Hill started, and Yahoo had him as tight end eligible. Thank you. And then a few years ago, yeah. J- Jalen Samuel, when he started for the Steelers again on Yahoo, was tight end eligible. So yeah, I'm going to start a running back in my tight end spot. I'm not starting the tight end in my running back spot. If they move Kyle Pitts to wide receiver, I'm all in. But when was the last time that happened? It doesn't it doesn't happen. I think Kyle Pitts could be awesome. He could be amazing. That's great. I don't draft in my well, as I say, I don't draft well in my rookie drafts, but I don't draft on could have and could be. I draft on hope he will be. It's more common
0: that a wide receiver like Darren Waller gets converted to tight end than the reverse. If anyone's going to get converted to wide receiver in this class, it's going to be Brevin Jordan. Brevin Jordan is smaller. He's a proper move tight end, and he could be Jordan Reed. It's possible. Yes, I know it's possible. Oh, no, he could be Jordan Reed. Yes, yes, best-case scenario comps are out there, right? I think that Pat Friermuth looks a lot like Dallas Goddard. We'll see when the testing comes in. How do you distinguish between a Brevin Jordan and a Friermuth?
1: I think I say dependent on the testing because we have seen in the last few years that, that there's some kind of you know some space age stuff going on in them Penn State weight rooms because they just yeah. keep churning out these right. freaks. Something happening. They got something in those weight rooms there at Penn State and Happy Valley. There's something. I don't want to say anything else, you know, because you know my 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 knowledge of the libel and slander laws are negligible, um, so I'll push on, but. As you say, in terms of pure production, if we're going to run out to best-case scenario, Brevin Jordan looks like the type of person who could produce as a rookie if the team he lands on says Mm. balls to it, we have to use them, we've got no other receiving options. Whereas someone like Frymuth, they may let marinate a bit. That's right. That's right. If
0: someone's going to have an Evan Ingram rookie year, it's probably Brevin Jordan, not even Kyle Pitts. In this tight end premium best ball league I'm drafting in right now, where they're victory lapping in the chat over the Josh Reynolds pick. This was a consideration between my co-owner, Josh Larkey, and myself, was do we go Brevin Jordan? Because we think that Brevin Jordan could produce in year one. We ended up going Mo'Ally Cox, because Mo Ali Cox was the tight end version of Miles Sanders last year. He was super productive and efficient. Number one in yards per reception, then he hurts his knee and you don't hear from him again. The Colts have already jettisoned Trey Burton. Jack Doyle's future is uncertain. Moale Cox is posted up in that primary tight end role, that all purpose two way tight end role in Indianapolis, and you can get him incredibly late. Incredibly late. So in that draft, Neil. We have both Conklin and Allie Cox.
1: Winning. Winning! <laughs> Winning! If we're going to go to you know the lazy narrative as well, we have got the Carson Wentz likes targeting his tight end. So that bumps, bumps up Mo Allie Cox as well for the lazy drafter out there. He likes
0: <laughs> targeting a tight end because in his past, he was throwing to Ertz and Goddard. That might be the reason. Maybe it's not it, the players' tendencies or the offensive coordinator drawing up plays for the tight end. That's, no, no. It no. was Hurts that got her. But I like Moelle Cox regardless. Absolutely. Regardless. Now, this rookie class has other tight ends. We keep talking about the big three. Kyle Pitts, and, Firemouth and Brevin Jordan, but there's, there's Trey McKitty. He was athletic. There's Hunter Long from Boston College. Our man, Cody Carpentier, likes Hunter Long a lot. Is there a sleeper tight end in this draft for you?
1: Well, there's one that actually, his uh, pro day was today, as i we were recording on the 22nd. So I said, peel back the curtain there. And it's uh, Bowling Green. That's Quinton Morris. Oh. Bowling Green. Yes. Yes, we have him ranked as the number eight tight end in this class. Mm-hmm. Now, he's not a classic tight end. I think he's only six foot two. But if you actually look, he has been the dominant member of the passing game of Bowling Green. Whoa. 35% target share 2020. Whoa, 38% dominator rating. Now... I worry, but again, I, again, you know grinding the film now that I do you know through in all hours of the morning, his catch rate fell from sixty two percent after his first three seasons down to forty five percent last year. but there is a very, very important technical reason why that happened. His quarterback couldn't throw right it his quarterback was terrible. Well, that's
0: why his dominator rating popped in his final year thirty five percent target share. Because you think, oh, well, he just did 248 yards. But that was only in five games on a team Mm -hmm.
1: that couldn't throw the ball. So in context, this guy probably needs to move up. Yeah. see, number nine in yards per route run, number four in receptions per game, number three in yak per game, and 8.2 receptions for 34.4 yards per game.
0: This is why. This is why you tune in to the Underworld, We talk to people like Neil Dutton that know things that no one else does. No one's talking about Quentin Morris. This is why you tune in. Now, Neil, get us out of here. Bold prediction for the draft.
1: Bold prediction for the draft. I wouldn't do it, and I will swear at the telly and wake up my children of how loud I will swear, but a team will trade up into the first round to draft a running back.
0: Now, Neil, get us out of here. Bold prediction for the draft.
1: Bold prediction for the draft. I wouldn't do it, and I will swear at the telly and wake up my children of how loud I will swear. But a team will draft, will trade up into the first round to draft a running back. Oh god. That sounds awful. It will be awful. It will I see it'll be that you know the moment where Obi Wan feels, you know, hears millions of voices crying out and then suddenly silenced? That will be like for people on draft night across the world. They will hear, and um, the pick has been traded, and, you know, this team will select running back, and everyone will be just like, oh, for fuck's sake.
0: Wait, I don't want to look
1: at this. Leia's planet was, uh. Alderaan.
0: Alderaan! Oh, God, I was, g- was going to think of it, man. <sighs> Sorry. Oh, come on. You robbed me of that.
1: I'm a big thief.
0: Oh, you robber. Hey, man, by the way, just want to tell you, your delivery, joke delivery and your overall delivery woo, blew my air back.
1: I, I, I do try to base This is
0: what happens, man. This is what happens when people podcast and they stick with it. Mm. Way noticeable. Yeah. Way. I'm just telling you.
1: Yeah i say we've been, me and, you know, th- the boy, we've been podding for, oh God, nine years this year. It'll be.
0: Dude, awesome.
1: You know, in the you know incredibly high-paced world we live in. Now, I do do during the season on, like, national radio uh, over here. I do go on once a week there to do, like, fantasy talk for them. And, again, I just try and – because one of the, the hosts, bless him, he's been a, he's American. He's over, over in this country about 40 years, hates fantasy. He's proper old-school stick in the mud. So I literally just try and make it as jokey as I can, just to try and it's annoy awesome, him. It's
0: awesome, man! I love, I dude, I couldn't. Believe, I was like, I was like, these are, these are some really good zingers, bro.
1: Oh my god! I was, so, wh- how long have you been doing that? Uh, a couple of years. I it like, was one of the biggest like podcast we have here i met the host for that a few years ago and while drink was being taken at one of the wembley games so through that they work for like one of the radio stations yeah so they got I me that's what it is man
0: i think that's what it is it's because you probably got me, you, know? you probably got a little bit nervous for that the first few times you did it
1: mm. you know. i mean i've always been a show-off as well so that helps you know i was you know if, if there's a way of being the center of attention I've got to do it it's not a case of I'm perfectly comfortable no I've got to do it
0: I know the that feeling helps. I know the feeling so but
1: yeah every time you can
0: make yourself uncomfortable you get a little nervous oh man it's so good for sharpening the blade mm. so that's I bet that's what it was I bet that's what it was and then you realized oh this guy's not even that into the fantasy football and then you have to kind of think on their on your feet a little bit too Hmm. interesting very interesting.
1: I mean, let's say I was slightly nervous about this one because two-hour podcast. I mean, me and me and Mainzy, you know, we joke about it every week. we we do like forty minutes. All, yeah, all I was gonna time. say your
0: podcast is like an hour.
1: Yeah, whereas you're doing like uh, Maisie says, uh, I'll li- tell me when the pod drops. If I've got five hours free, I'll listen to it.
0: Ah <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love that reputation. We got to maintain it, dude. We got to maintain it. I don't know. I gotta, good- I gotta. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta. I might have to talk about. uh deshaun watson on my monologue mm. i really don't want to do it i'm I'm, no. I'm kicking
1: the can dude i think it's probably best i think until i mean let say until more comes out but
0: more is those, coming
1: out it, that's the problem more is out
0: yeah it's, more is out you can't really you you can't not talk about it i don't know i might maybe make fun of the more is out thing maybe that's it maybe that's what i do like more is out like we got a, uh, reputable? No, these are reputable sources. Wait, ESPN not reputable? What, the, the 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 Athletic? At what point? Yeah, Maybe that's just what, what I fella. do. Maybe that that's the hook. I got I got to find a hook. Maybe that's the hook. The hook is no 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 no, no, no it is reputable. No no, no there, there's yeah. real risk here. Yes, it could go the Tyree Kill route. It could go the Lashawn McCoy route, where is a lot of smoke but no fire. But there also could be
1: fire. Mm, that's the problem. It, it's as you say. It's. It's either going to be absolutely nothing, or it's going to be the biggest something for quite some it's time. It's going to be
0: gigantic. I didn't know that Ray Rice would never play again. No. It's, dude, it's a problem. This is a fucking problem, man.
1: It's almost like playing a sport you know, where you do get battered about the head an awful lot. doesn't lead to well-adjusted people playing it.
0: From a fantasy football perspective, regardless of what actually happened, if you just said, that, oh, there's, there's nebulous risk on Player X, and it's a quarterback... The first question would be, well, who wears receivers? Because mm. then they get the risk too. But it's Brandon Cooks, right? It's not mm. it's not they don't have a first round pick. So nope. it's a little bit easier to stomach in that they don't have a running back anyone loves. They don't have a receiver anyone loves. They don't have a tight end anyone loves. So it's really Deshaun Watson on an island in fantasy football in terms of mm. he it's this won't bring a whole ship down. Like, if this happened nope. to Mahomes, it would be Kelsey, it would be Hill, it would be... That's p- I think that's part of why there's less people freaking out, because it's the quarterback is a standalone entity in fantasy football. It isn't valuable in single quarterback leagues. Sixth, seventh-round pick, no one's panicking. Whatever. You know, just take Russell Wilson instead. Who cares? Mm. Right? But if he took an entire team down with him, Who's the backup in Tampa? What if it was Tom Brady? You know Tom Brady actually has his own personal masseuse. Mm. Tom Brady has a personal masseuse, so he's not going to have that problem. And I think it's a guy. I'm not saying anything anymore. I'm not going to say another word about massage therapy and what's going on in Brady's house with massages versus Deshaun Watson's. But the backup in Tampa is Blaine Gabbard. Mm Mm-hmm. And they just re-signed Godwin, so now we're talking about potentially dragging down a lot of very valuable assets. If it was Blaine Gabbert, so we've got a little weigh-in issue with uh, Devonte Smith.
1: Mm. It's not good, dude. It really isn't. Um, so one of my one of my friends has, has um, I'll be polite has long since loved him. And is refusing to be knocked off his spot by my pointing out that probably one of my legs is heavier than him. He's he's just not not budging on it, but I'm just not loving that weight at all.
0: It's 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 possible that he's Marvin Harrison. It's certainly possible. It's 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 been done. You know, I think Marvin Harrison was in that weight class, 170
1: pounds. I think he got up to like 180
0: over like 13 know, years.
1: Yeah, uh, I know. Was it Ocho sincho's uh, coming out and saying that he was the same weight? And he, he eventually got up to 185, I think.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's, these guys can put on 10 pounds, but uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> 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 I wish he was heavier, and he's not. That my I'm more concerned that he's not testing. Yeah. Why isn't he testing?
1: Yeah, it's it, it's as you say. It's there's nothing else. You know, this is, there's no pro, there's no combine. So literally, this is it. Mm-hmm. All you're doing is giving people ammunition.
0: What are you doing, dude? You got to you got to you uh, you got to give us something, man. You got to give us something. This is kind of bullshit.
1: Yeah, I mean, even if it's the, you know, uh, you know, I want something to prove you wrong about later in the, you know, later on. Like, well, you've given us nothing. So you haven't even got that. It's
0: very difficult. Chip on your shoulder. I don't know what to do with him. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we have him below Bateman. uh I, I, I just don't. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's such a weird thing. Mm. Am I going to put him below Rondale Moore? He's quite a bit older. He's a year and a half older than Rondale Moore. I, I, I think we got to put him below Rondale Moore. I think we got to drop him a little bit.
1: Mm. It's as you say, it's 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 heartbreaking because i see all we ask is you just be heavy That that's it's it's something that most people could do especially you know being at home for a year on or could do in their sleep that is all we've asked of you mm. just to put some weight on and you couldn't even do that for us and he wasn't working out at EXOS with these other
0: guys. Tylen Wallace was there. Terrence Marshall was there. So many guys were there. Najee uh. Harris was there. no, no Devonte Smith. I mean, he's. He, it's possible he's just a different type of cat, and he's just his own guy, and he is his own drummer, right?
1: Uh. And he's just whatever. I don't. I don't get it. No, it's, it's this is where you, you always have to start asking questions of his agents as well. It's like you know, if the agent. You know, last year was it Chenault who made him run, and then he wasn't clearly wasn't healthy. It's like, okay, you're fired. This would be it. Is agent saying, Devonta? There's a lot of people with a lot of questions. You might want to just do
0: something. I mean, I, I think they're worried. Like this might not be an agent thing. Like this might be that their agent knows he's not fast. Mm-hmm. So if if he ran a four-five-five, five, if I were his agent, I would tell him not to run. Mm. So I would have told him that. Uh, it's just yeah. a bummer for us, and it's a red flag on you know in the evaluation process. It just is. Yeah. What are you gonna do? What, what are you gonna do? Tamarian Terry was a bummer. He's older. He's smaller than we thought. He's slower than we thought. Tamarian is gonna get crushed. Mm. So. But he
1: looks like he should be bigger, especially if you just look at his headshot. He looks like he should be a nightclub bouncer.
0: Yeah, Tamarian Terry's gonna drop. He's gonna probably gonna drop 10 points based on the testing. Mm. Cause his 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 upside was was it was based on the assumption that he would be bigger, faster than almost anyone else in this class. And if he's not that, if he's 208 and he runs a 444, mm. well I heard there was a possibility he would be 220 and run a 434, mm. so that was baked in to his lifetime value projection. Was this this upside possibility? So I'll bring
1: you in. How do you want me to introduce you? Um, I say you, um, you know anything that doesn't have the word you know a, a word that begins with C and ends in T, and it is usually a good introduction from me. It's better than my better than my partner introduces me as. Uh, just you know, scribbler for his number fire, player profiler, obviously
0: okay. So. Uh, because um, I thought you uh, waxing lyrical isn't that the podcast?
1: Yeah, one half of the waxing lyrical with mains and dust podcast as well. Yeah, give 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 mainsy his shout as well.
0: Okay, cool. So <laughs> I'll just say I'll just say the waxing lyrical podcast. That'll
1: do. Yeah,
0: I think that'll be good.
1: This is one of those questions you know, like you know who's the best singer in One Direction. You know, ultimately, who gives a shit? Not for me because it's. It's getting harder and harder to look at anything the Green Bay Packers did in the 2020 draft class with any degree of affection. It's a bit like that time for Christmas. My better half said, you're really going to love your present and bought me a DNA testing kit. And I was like, what the... F- Why would I want this? Go on, just spit into this tube. Merry Christmas. It was like, I've had no happy memories from this gift. It has done me no benefit at all. That's pretty much what that entire draft class has been. No! Well, you don't need a number two when you've got Nelson Aguilar surely um but you know we are (laughs) you bought a toilet seat on amazon and everywhere you go your whole user experience is polluted by just toilet seats everywhere emails coming in how would you rate your toilet seat it lets me sit down you know that that, that's how i rate it maybe uh, jamar chase jamar
0: chase is that where you
1: want him to land you want him to go to philadelphia right i do but he's the right wide receiver at the right time which means howie roseman will pick the wrong one (laughs) You think Roseman's going to go Devonta Smith? Oh, probably. It will probably just troll us all and go Jalen Waddle. Can I just I just need to move to someone else cuz I need to plug this in. My okay. laptop's going to die. Okay. Yeah,
0: well, hold on. Oh, we'll, we'll we'll take a we'll take a second.
1: No, No! No! No!
0: Something happening. They got something in those weight rooms there at Penn State at Happy Valley. There's something.
1: They've signed Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams will do the hard work. He'll stick his face into the fan and he'll get his, you know, 30, 40 receptions himself. He's going
0: to stick his face in the fan. I love that visual. Stick face of the fan did you ever do that as a kid when you talk into the fan and it, it,
1: it changes your voice um i don't think so there are all, a whole host of things i did as a youngster and into my 30s that were you know probably Hello. stupid and hazardous to my health oh. but I, I don't think i did that i, I think that's how elizabeth holmes
0: out. changed her name the former ceo of theranos she changed her name over she changed her voice over time to be deeper i think she might have practiced talking to a fan
1: if that isn't a good advert for the progress, I don't know what is. But when you need someone to knock out a three-paragraph verb on Matt LaCosse, I'm the captain now. You want to get someone who, you know, Josh Norris, Josh Norrish, Josh Norris. Theranos went bankrupt. Oh, okay. Thoughts and prayers. Unless you're playing in, you know, points per lunch pail you know, formats. Did you ever do that as a kid? When you talk to the fan and it, it, it changes your voice? Um... Who's the best singer in one direction? Ultimately, who gives a shit? You did a video? You have the accent. I don't.
0: They have two aging Johnsons, right? Two old Johnsons. That's all I have to compete with in Houston to get touches. I want to compete with two Johnsons, two old Johnsons, two old (laughs) wrinkly Johnsons.
1: Jamal Williams will do the hard work. He'll stick his face into the fan. Ultimately, who gives a shit?